0: Straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, back in the can again for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. I am always am the fucking pilot. And back in the can with me, I got Junior. Yes, Junior's back as well because we're talking to somebody who he knows quite well, and and I have a feeling it's going to be pretty fucking entertaining. So uh, without further ado, tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do?
1: Uh, My name's Kurt Bartholomew. What's up, guys?
0: Uh Um, (laughs) Uh-oh.
1: I'm a a professional competitive canopy pilot and canopy coach with Team Alter Ego Fast Tracks and the Alter Ego Project. And yeah, basically, just travel around the world with my wife, Jeannie, and we compete full time and do canopy courses uh, to kind of help pay for all of it. Sounds
0: like a pretty fucking good lifestyle, man.
1: Yeah, it's pretty sweet. We get to see all, all all over the whole world. We've been to over like almost like thirty five countries together. So
0: how amazing is that? I mean, uh, whoever would have thought uh, that just jumping out of an airplane one time would lead to all of this?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Definitely wouldn't have thought of it. Right.
0: So now, speaking of, um, how did you start? Well, I guess was was skydiving your first extreme sport, or did you start out with something else and then kind of work your way into it?
1: Um, Yeah, it was definitely my first extreme sport. I was I was raised on sports. Like when I was six years old, you know, I came home and my dad was like, "Hey, I signed you up for for football." Then I played football, and then came home and he's like, "Hey, I signed you up for basketball." Hmm. Uh and then springtime he came home and it was like, Hey, I signed you up for baseball. So I I, pay, I played a lot of sports growing up. So I was kind of raised on competing. Nice. Um, but they were all standard sports like that, you know. And I, I tried wrestling and uh I ran track in high school and college. And uh I played American football for twelve years. Oh wow you know, from kindergarten all the way up through my senior year of high school.
2: Wow.
0: You know, it's so, kind of funny that uh, looking back, uh, especially even considering your skydiving career, football was dramatically more extreme. That shit's bad for you. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> I mean, they're getting concussions all over the place, like almost on a, every game. And in skydiving, it only happens every once in a while.
1: <laughs> yeah. I never really got like major concussions. I did, I did get knocked out twice, Ooh. but I didn't get any concussions to go with it somehow. Wow. Because uh, I kept practicing and stuff, so.
2: Yeah, but, they also um, didn't
1: know that that much was, back then either. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, they knew that. But, I mean, kid, kids were getting – two days in August in Pennsylvania, uh, kids were getting, like, heat uh, heat strokes and stuff too.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, fuck, they were dropping dead, you know, just playing on the field, not enough water and too much heat.
2: Yeah. What doesn't kill yeah, you it makes you stronger, tough, right? Man, I, I, huh? <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger.
1: Exactly. But I, I loved it, man, like sprinting and just – Sprinting as fast as you can straight into somebody and rail, and it was fun. <laughs> right? I, I enjoyed it. Right, it was, it was
2: challenging. So maybe that's uh, prepared you for uh, for some of the abuse you've taken over over the years. Can
1: yeah, I think I think maybe that's one of the main reasons I don't complain about it. Everyone else, everyone else, constantly whines about it in, in swooping. And I mean, I know you hear me whine about injured, being injured, and just talk about my injuries, but it's not a part of swooping that I like hate. You know, I sure. just it just comes with the it comes. I, I understand it comes with the territory because of all the other sports I've played. Yeah, no doubt. So,
0: no doubt. Now speaking of so, how how did you get started in skydiving? When was the first jump? You know, what was your first drop zone? What was the experience like?
1: So you so you like this, Dean? Uh, I actually started. Uh, I was a pilot first. Oh yeah. Um, I was going to Embry Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach. All right. I came down to Florida to do that, and um, in the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I went up to pennsylvania just for a couple of weeks i uh i like kind of like florida so much that i would just stay down here during the summer mm. uh, when everyone else would go home but uh came up just for a couple of weeks to uh visit my family and uh i went to get my tailwheel rating up in pennsylvania because it's you know it's just 10 hours sure so i i uh, i started flying up there before i, I came down here anyway so i, I called up my instructor and he, he didn't do tailwheel, so he he suggested somebody else. So we would grab a little Piper Cub and then fly from where it was based just a quick, like, 10 minutes over to a drop zone up in Pennsylvania. Mm. It was one of the ASC drop zones, Scott, uh, Scott of Philadelphia.
0: Philadelphia.
2: Nice. Yep. Yeah, Junior knows that one pretty yeah. well. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually saw your first save bottle sitting on the shelf of uh, the rigger slash manager of the uh, the drop zone.
1: Yeah, Aaron, he still has it. He yeah. messaged me about it not too long ago.
0: That's fucking cool. But, uh,
1: so then I was doing my tailwheel riding there in between, uh, you know, jump loads. And they would just radio up whenever they needed him during the week. So um, then we would land. He would go j- drop some jumpers. And then when he was done, we'd get back in the plane. So I basically, I hung out with Scott Avers for like two weeks. Hmm. Um, I was going, you know, I was going out to the bars with him at the end of the day. And uh getting some wings and beer and shit. Sure. So it was a lot of fun. I was kind of introduced to the whole uh community before I even got into it and I was like, "Man, this is pretty cool."
0: Right. Well, you know? and
1: then I you know, I asked all the dumbass woofo questions hanging out with them and realized you can go straight to AFF and I was like, "Well, uh, you know, I think I would enjoy this pretty good. I don't need to do a tandem." Sure. And uh what really got me interested in doing in, in doing a jump was i got to you know th- my instructor convinced me to go on an observer ride mm. but it was in a ki- it was in a king air so that's <laughs> why he wanted me to go because you know those guys can have a lot of fun on the way down sure Some planes can handle it but uh they didn't have a right seat so they i remember super specifically they put a regular javelin on me it was gray with like maroon like trimming and piping and stuff of course they did <laughs> and they put they put me on the, the toilet seat right next to the door with just, like, a regular, like, you know, shitty seat seatbelt. Like, I could have easily just, like, fallen out if I was a retard.
0: Oh, no. But
1: uh, uh, And then they're like, yeah, if you fall out of the plane, just count to five and pull this silver handle, <laughs> and you'll figure it out from there. <laughs> but it was cool because being right next to the door was way better than being up in the front because I got to see the, the guys bomb out of the plane. Sure. You know? So I thought that was so cool. Like I didn't even, I was watching them on the way down, not what the pilot was doing with the plane. So when we landed, he was like, Oh, what'd you think? And I was like, dude, those guys are crazy. And I was like, I just kept talking about them jumping out, and then my the instructor was like, well, yeah, but what, what about the ro- the plane ride down? I was like, oh, yeah, that was pretty cool.
0: You crushed the pilot's ego. <laughs> I totally did, man. That's fucking he, was, he was so upset. Good for you. That's awesome. Well, it's funny, too, that you uh, – and it's very cool that you kind of did it backwards and that you got hooked on the community before you even made a jump. The jump was kind of an afterthought, which is neat because you know skydivers are a bunch of crazy infectious motherfuckers anyway so it's it's i can imagine that spending an entire week with them while you're kind of on the sidelines watching you'd you'd have to get bit by the bug
3: yeah yeah
1: and that was you know kind of growing up and playing that many sports i was always always engrossed in that kind of aspect of everything like in college my my best friends you know was the track team because we all spent so much time together Mm. so we all ended up being super super close and like we would go out and party together instead of having a set of friends that we all went and partied with and then go hang out with our track friends doing that like we all spent like the entire four years together so um it was kind of like kind of kind of very similar similar feel so sure. that's, that's one of the things that drew me in
2: yeah i think that's all sports though i think all sports kind of have that that bit of camaraderie especially when you're in high school or even uh, college and university and stuff like that i think
0: well, and especially, especially as you push into something that's a little bit more uh, uh, rugged, so football for sure, uh, but then you, you push into sports that uh, have a little bit more, I suppose, risk to them and you start to get that band of brothers mentality going on because you just look over at the guy next to you who's jumping out of an airplane as well going, all right, well, he's got some fucking balls on him as well and, and uh, it's a very similar you know, kind of feel to it all. Yeah, exactly. It's very cool. So you you, you go out and and uh, your <laughs> your first ever ride along is on a toilet, which I love. That's yeah, fantastic. And you punked out the pilot, so definite style points on that. Um, <laughs> so the first jump, you went straight to AFF. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, course was uneventful. You just kind of blasted through it. And and did you know, like right away, fuck, I'm a skydiver now, or was it a, all right? That was cool. Maybe I'll do it again.
1: No, man, I was obsessed with it. Um, I uh, I tried to do my all seven AFF jumps in one day because <laughs> I just I just loved it so much. And and uh, that day it was even out of a Cessna. Wow, um, which which was cool. Um, but it kind of like I I was comfortable in the plane, but but also just like sitting next to like a and the whole I think the whole I remember being the whole the whole door was clear, and I just remember kind of sitting there. And like being able to see out of the door that easily, I was just like, it, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of intense, you know, sure.
3: well,
0: like
1: I would have always preferred a bigger plane, uh,
0: you know, before that, uh, before that first jump, what was the goal with Emory Riddle? I mean, you were working on, uh, um, your tail wheel, were you planning on being a, you know, a stick and rudder guy for life?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want. well, I, want, yeah, I wanted to be a corporate pilot. Mm. Um, but I was getting my tail wheel because I was actually, um, Embry-Riddle has a, a pits, and uh, I was I was training to do competitions in the pits. Oh, nice. So I, I wanted to get all the ratings to be able to fly one of those. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't take off and land it even if we had the ratings just because of insurance. Sure. But this was like long-term. I wanted to get everything I could to fly those more because, man, that was one of the coolest things. Like I was training for actual – I never got to compete in it mm. uh, because – the competitions near Daytona were always always the same weekend as this big track meet in the winter at the University of Florida. So, yeah, I never got to do it, but man, that was that was the best flying I've ever done. Like that that makes me miss flying. Oh, I being bet. In a pit.
0: I fucking but well, so. I mean, I, I it's it's the closest thing you can get to stick and rudder and rigid wings as what you're doing on a canopy now. Yeah, I mean it's it's as hardcore as it possibly gets. Now, did you? Yeah, did, and just ha- I was gonna say, did you know pretty much right away um, that the the canopy portion was gonna take over for you? Was it the free fall that grabbed you, or just the whole thing?
1: Um, so in the beginning, it was the whole thing, and then, um, like, I like I like the canopy side pretty good. Like I said, I tried, I tried to do my whole AFF in one day. I got five jumps in and I was just even, (laughs) even running track in college. Like, you know, obviously just mentally, I I just, I was so smoked. Sure. So my, my instructor kind of saw I wasn't flying the same as the rest of the jump. So he was like, Hey man, you're tired. Like we need to just stop and, uh, you know, come back tomorrow and, and finish.
0: Right. Um,
1: and, uh, you know, and then I, I, I progressed pretty quick and I was doing really well. And, um, uh, then I, I got my own gear and stuff and like my, my 20th jump was, uh, my first cutaway.
0: <laughs> nice. It was,
1: it was my, it was my, uh, third, third pack job that I jumped. Cause it was the third jump on my gear. Mm. So it was just, just a shitty pack job, you know? Sure.
3: So I got, a was no, line
1: I got over. an important
2: question for, about that. Who buys triple what? sec as a save bottle? Seriously, bro.
1: So that, <laughs> <laughs> that was not my choice. So, so here's, the, here's the whole story. So we go up, we're on a, we're on a Cessna and it was me and it was just me and the other staff guys. It was the, the head packer and one of the video guys that just, they wanted to go do a hop and pop. So we, we ended up getting out low, like from 32, 3300 feet. And, uh, it was funny cause the guy, the videographer that kind of organized the jump came up and he's like, Hey, you guys want to go on a flop and chop? And then we go up, we exit, and I, I have a line over, it's spinning, and like all I can think about is I don't want to lose my 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 new gear, so I try to fix it, so I smoke it down, and then end up cutting away, and then I'm at a thousand feet with like five or six line twists with 20 jumps, Jesus. and then you know with, at 20 jumps that's a double now, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Right. Uh, anyways, I got out of it, landed fine because it was a hop and pop and I was right there at the drop zone. But uh, and we found my stuff. But like that turned me off to the canopy side of things, you know, like <laughs> it was like, holy crap, that was intense. I and, uh, and then the videographer also chopped. So two of the three of us cut away. So then we both owed, owed Aaron bottles. <clears throat> so Aaron, uh, the other guy bought a bottle of tequila and Aaron told me to buy triple sec so we could make margaritas. <laughs>
0: All right, that makes sense. So, so don't.
1: I asked him what he wanted, and that's what he said. And then it was really cool because then we he invited us over to his house that night, and we all went over and and we drank the bottles with him. And then that's and then he had me sign it. Nice. He,
2: he actually was the one that that taught me. I, I actually went and worked with Aaron uh, for a while. We had the same the same boss. And uh, when I was up there yeah. at his drop zone jumping for the for a couple months one summer because they needed help. Um, I saw like his bottles were signed and I was like, that's a pretty cool idea here. I've been a rigger for 10 years and never thought about that. Mm. And then he also had a rule that only skydivers were allowed to drink from save bottles, which I thought was also pretty cool.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. I'm not a rigger, but if I was, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) I'd like you put the date
2: and what the malfunction was.
0: Nice. Yep. Nice.
1: And I like. I liked how he invited us over and, and drank it with us, you know? That yeah. Was, that was super
0: cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been invited to crack a bottle on a save for any of them. So, yeah, that, that's kind of cool, especially with that low time, too. It, uh, that must have put a, a bit of a warm and fuzzy feeling for you going, all right, this is, this is cool. I've, I've uh, stepped into a pretty interesting world. Yep. Now that... Yeah, and then
1: he let me watch, he, he let me watch the reserve repack because I was interested just how,
0: how it all worked. Always super interesting, especially at 20-something jumps and that thing just saved your life. I mean, I remember yep. just watching uh, them pack the mains when I was going through my AFF. And of course, the first time you watch somebody pack a main, you're like, wait, those are fucking rubber bands. What? <laughs> <laughs> rubber bands should have no part in saving my life. What the fuck is that about? And so it becomes super yeah. interesting to, all right, now I need to know what's going on because wow, you know. So when, when you were doing all this, you were, Emery Riddle as well, were you working as well or you were a full-time student? Um,
1: no, I was, uh, I was pretty much full-time student. Um, I didn't even have like a, a much of a part-time job because the um, uh, being on the track team got, got me like a, not a full scholarship, just a small scholarship, hmm. but it was kind of just enough to justify me not working hmm. because, you know, I was, based, you know, considered it kind of like making money, <laughs> but it is a job. Like even in the summer I had to, I mean, it's college level track. You can't, you can't dick around. Right. You gotta work your ass off. Right. So I would, like, I would just get a job, like, I just worked for the school, like, I basically, one summer I got to sit at the track to make sure that during the summer the only people that went to the school came and used it. So that was pretty neat. Oh, cool. And and, and then I got an actual paycheck, so. Never
0: a bad thing. Just, yeah. So, as, as I mean, a lot of us uh, um, skydiving took over in one way or another, and, and uh, a lot of people that I've talked to left you know, either higher education or they left quite respectable jobs to, you know, go skydiving for a living. And then there's guys like me that just kind of transition from one weird life to another weird life. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, for you, was it, uh, all right, shit, I'm in this now. I'm a skydiver. I better find a way to, to, you know, make my way as a skydiver. Or were you still thinking, all right, I can do both. I can have the normal world and I can have this. So originally the plan was to do both.
1: So the skydiving kind of ruined flying for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Plus, plus, some, uh, pl- plus some shitty flight instructors. Mm. Um, I had some great flight instructors. And I don't mean shitty as in they couldn't teach, but um, they, you know, being a flight instructor as on the career path, mm. you have to do it. There's no way around it. Yeah. So it was, they knew the information, they could relay the information, but they were just kind of dicks about it. Mm. And they just, cause, you know, they had to do it and they just didn't know how to teach sure. like the correct way. So it kind of, it kind of ruined it for me. Like, especially like, um, uh, instrument, the instrument rating, right. Like my instructor just was terrible at teaching and like, you know, he knew the information he could relay, but just the way that he did everything was just really terrible. And,
0: well, and especially uh, when it's some, you know something like uh, uh, getting your instrument training done, if you don't have an instructor that you gel with, you're fucked, man. That is, it's yeah. it's a lot of shit to try and retain, and if your instructor doesn't know how to put it in a way that's going to make sense to you, it's, I mean, it's it's almost next to impossible.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it made he, he could do he could relay it to the way it made sense, but he didn't really help me mm. learn it. He would just get pissed and kind of bitch, you know.
0: So <laughs> oh God. Like, well,
1: yeah, it just
0: I learned uh, especially as as uh, as I came up and then got a lot more flying in. Of course, I was one of the lucky ones that got to skip flight instructing because I went into flying jumpers right away. But uh most of the instructors that I dealt with had, you know, a couple hundred hours. They were barely out of student yeah. status themselves, just trying exactly. to get by. And so yeah, all they wanted to do is start their career and they're just in this never-ending loop of student after student after student. I couldn't even imagine. Yep. It's kind of like a coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, <laughs> Kind of. Yeah, just
1: just it kind of turned turned me off to everything. I was literally like a week away from my instrument, and uh, I just canceled all the 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 tests and the, sure. and the practical. And just I was just like, screw this, I'm done. Like I don't care. And I mean, obviously now I kind of regret doing that. I should have just done the done the damn practical, so I just had it. But sure, whatever.
0: I suppose I can't blame um, you though. I mean, you're talking about a shitload of money, and if it's something that you're not really passionate about, fucking hell, man, at least scrap it for a while. You know.
1: Yeah. So I, I still have like 200 hours of flying and, um, uh, there was some other stuff with my school. Like I just, I just kind of kept getting hosed and with instructors and, and they were just pumping me for hours and, sure. and they kept telling the school that I needed more practice. And like, I was, I was about as good at flying airplanes as I am at Scott Avenue. Sure. Like I was good at it. Sure. Like I was really good at it. And, my nice instructors would tell me. And then the other ones that didn't have enough students that needed the money would just make me repeat stuff.
3: Of course. So I just kind
1: of got, got burned out really fast. Sure. So I ended up kind of like not quite like change my major to like kind of flying off campus. My major, my bachelor's is in aeronautics. Okay. And then I have, um, airport management and air traffic control minors. Oh wow. A minor in air traffic control is just as good as a major to the, FAA Wow and you know if you have a degree in that it's a big deal to them so then I was gonna go down the air traffic control route because I had a lot of friends doing that and um, the people that it didn't completely stress out and felt like too much at work like they loved it mm. and you make you make a shitload of money and you um, have a lot of time off sure so you don't always get to pick when the time off is but you have a lot of time off. And they could travel and stuff, so I was like, "Well, maybe I can, you know, I'll have a lot of time to jump, and I'll definitely have the money." Uh, but then I got I got the runaround with the FAA as well, so I ended up not doing that because sure. they, when you, you apply for that, you you apply for a state, not a position like a a, a place. Oh wow, a, a facility. So I only gave them Florida because I wanted to stay in Florida for jumping. <laughs> hey. And then they offered me Jacksonville Center, which is closer to Georgia than Jacksonville. It's in the middle of nowhere. right? Um, and I was really kind of hoping to get Orlando. I mean,
0: you didn't want to uh, go out and, was... and uh, jump with Pac and Kathy on the border of Georgia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's... Uh, I probably wasn't too far from all that, but I just didn't want to live in the middle of nowhere, you know? Sure. It wasn't even about where I would jump. It was just, just living in the middle of nowhere. So I turned it down. And when you turn a center down, you have to wait a year. Or when you turn a placement down, you have to wait a year. Mm. Then you reapply and they can't give you the same place. Like they can't, they have to give you a different uh, facility. So the following year, they offered me Jacksonville Center again. So I just went up through the chain till I got to somebody super high up in the FAA. Because everyone's like, oh yeah, that's not allowed. I finally got to somebody super high up and like, oh yeah, that's not allowed. Our bad. And I was like, "Cool, so like, can I reapply in like the you know the next the next batch in like two or three months?" And they were like, "No, you got to wait a year." I'm like, "Well, but you guys broke the rules, so how come you just took a year off my career?" Right. Because of a mistake, and they're like, "Yeah, there's nothing we can do. Sorry." Oh, I'm like,
0: "Fucking government so, <laughs> agencies, man."
1: <laughs> so at the same time, I had like started working as a videographer because I couldn't get a job anywhere else <laughs> right. because I had a bachelor's degree and they knew I would just piss off as soon as I got a real job. Right. So I was going to these group interviews at like sun at the mall with these like 14-year-old kids and they would get the job and I wouldn't. <laughs> oh no. It was like it was like soul crushing, dude. It had to be. <laughs> oh. And then uh yeah, so then I just I didn't want to work in Scott Aving. Like I didn't want to do that because everybody I was around was was burnout had no money never fun jumped and like i was like i don't want to do that man i want to have fun and i want to go charge and you know i kind of started getting i got i was really good at free flying in the beginning like that i was like kind of naturally talented
2: at uh but i sucked balls at flying canopies (laughs) like i was terrible that's about the time Um, i met you huh i said that was about the time that that we met
1: yeah yeah i was super sketchy doing dumb like just I was charging hard trying to learn how to swoop. I was just bad at it. Right. <laughs> so, and I was on, I was on the like crossfire twos, which you have to roll out dirty low. And like, I knew how to, I knew how to get the power band. Cause the guys that were teaching me, I like, I knew where the power was in swooping, but I had no idea what to do with it. Hmm. So it was like, I looked really sketchy. Like I was, I was somewhat in control, but it just looked pretty crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: But, dude, to this day, if it's anything other than the modern canopies that you guys are jumping now where the swoops are starting about where I'm flying fucking jump run, uh, it makes me nervous as hell. Yeah. If I see somebody on an old stiletto now, it freaks me out. I can't watch. Yeah. I have to turn away. I'm like, no, 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 that's that's fucking way too low.
1: Yep. Yeah, so, like. But, yeah, so, I, I, you know, I started working as a videographer, which is great because I could still mess around. And because I was like 146, 7 pounds, mm. so I was kind of light, so I could free fly with the, with the tandems. And I learned to do it just by, like, taking docks and then flipping on my head and, like, carving and doing stuff. And then eventually I could carve on my head and do all this crazy free flying uh, without camera wings because I didn't like camera wings because they messed, you know, they, they messed with my swoop sure. afterwards. So I got at least get paid to learn how to swoop. And then I was still waiting for the whole air traffic thing. And then, you know, that kind of just, that just kind of got ridiculous and, and whatever. So, uh, so you were
0: one of those camera flyers where the, the last part of the equation is shooting the actual video.
1: <laughs> well, okay. And so, and that being said, like, I was also really good at that. Sure. If if, obviously you've kind of seen the way I was raised and stuff. Sure. If I do anything, if I decide that's what I'm going to do, I, I fucking get good at yeah, it. Absolutely. Like you don't in, like, you know, growing up, I was taught like, you don't, you don't half-ass shit. Sure. If you half-ass shit, go sit in the corner. Like don't even do it. <laughs> You're right. You know what I mean? Like why, why would you bother doing something and not not actually putting effort into it? Sure. Like that's just a waste of time. So, you know, I, I got really, like I would free fly and stuff, but I got, you know, I would make sure I got really good shots and, uh, if, if I was trying something new, I would go do a spec where it was an unpaid video and sure. I just got a free slot to try to sell it.
0: Now, but, uh, looking back at, uh, at how you were raised coming up through sports and all that and with football and everything and always trying to do stuff the best that you could, uh, as this is all happening and you're making this big transition, now you're shooting videos and doing the swoop and stuff, what do mom and dad think of this?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, weren't, they weren't super stoked. Uh, I mean, they like the Scott Abbey. Like I I went, I went home to him and I was just like, Hey, I'm like, can you guys sit down? I want to talk to you about something. And um, I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to learn how to skydive. And they looked at each other and then they looked at me and they're like, yeah, okay. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Like I was expecting this big argument, like, you know, this thing. And they were like, no, we were kind of wondering what took so long.
0: Wow. Nice. (laughs) They
1: knew I was going to do it because of the flying and the aerobatics and stuff. And they were just kind of like, Obviously they had prepared themselves. Sure. So they like they liked the fact that I was doing it. Like um they didn't think Scott having was like super dangerous or anything. Mm. But um they knew it was coming, but like they did not want me to do it for a living, you know. Right. I spent I ended up so I ended up spending like thirty grand of my student loans on Scott having as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it was basically just like what I would have been spending on flying. Right. I just went and took and you know, so I would have would have had the same amount at the end anyways, probably more, but so I had $180,000 of student loan debt. Oof. And then they were like, yeah, no, you're, you're not, you're not going to do skydiving for a living. Cause <laughs> you're not going to make any money. So how are you going to pay these back? Right. And I'm like, but, uh, so they weren't super stoked about that. And, and you know, the whole, there's no retirement plan and blah, blah, right. blah, like working for the government, you have good benefits and all that. So, so especially my dad was not super stoked on that, but kind of, backtracking just a a bit like in college i became the vice president of our skydiving club so then uh the president came up to me the one year in my senior year and he was like hey let's go to collegiate nationals and compete in free flying and i was like oh that sounds fun yeah let's go do that so i went and i did it and uh we had like no training together we had like literally five jumps of training together (laughs) awesome and uh we went out and we, we did the two-way free flying, and we ended up coming in second place. The guys in first place were a, a U.S. Air Force Academy team. They were a team of, for four years, oh, wow. their whole college careers. They got you know paid training. All their gear was free. They got tunnel time for free. Third place was another U.S. Air Force Academy team. They were a team for two years with the same benefits, hmm. and we beat them by a single point. Oof.
0: That's hurt. And
1: uh, it was crazy because I was sitting there watching the live timing and the live scoring, and literally, we, I think we we got scored after them, and I flew up and took a hand-to-foot a dock in a sit fly, and as soon as I grabbed it, the screen froze for that, uh, you know, for the times up on the last jump, right? And I was like, "Holy fuck! Did we just get second place? <laughs> like we didn't tie. We, you know, we got second. It was." And it was cool because then I was like, "Holy shit!" I didn't realize you could compete skydiving. Right, like, this is nuts, right? I was like, "This is crazy." And then obviously, I kind of started gravitating towards swooping because I didn't need a teammate and I could train on my own. Sure, because I was jumping way more than way more than everybody else, and I was way more experienced than um, than the guy I was jumping with in in the in uh, in free flying. I mean, he he did an awesome job too, and he definitely saved our comp because I fucked up once and kind of corked out, and he he saved us getting back together. Mm. Um, but you know, it's just hard to find people that are that into it. You know, sure, I was doing I was doing six hundred or sixty jumps a month, so I was doing like seven hundred fifty jumps a year, which is every fucking year.
0: cranking if you're not working in the sport. That's a shitload of jumps.
1: Yeah, dude, my first year I did seven hundred and thirty seven jumps just hell. like the airplane. Is
2: uh, is uh, that about the time that you met DL? Because he was another guy that would charge hard. And that's when I, I remember yeah, yeah. you DL, was, when you were hanging
1: he, out with DL a lot. Yeah, DL and Adrian Hart were the ones teaching me to free fly and the swoop. Wow. You know, like every weekend. So I was getting like really good and I mean, we were just really good friends, so I wasn't I wasn't getting charged for anything. I got I got really good free coaching for both. That never both sucks. Really at, yeah. And like, they were, there were, there weren't that many people who could really go and compete really strong in swooping and be on like head down world record and stuff. And Adrian was kind of doing both a little bit.
0: So now what, what year are we talking or what, around what years are we talking here?
1: So I started in
0: 06. Okay. Fucking Um, hell. I feel old, man.
2: (laughs) So wait, was that the first, if you started in 06, that was around the same time that, that I met you was that same year. You, you, I think you met me in 07. Yeah. You met at, me the second uh, we, year. We show. met at the, uh, with, you were with DL up at the, uh, the sky of Atlanta. Um, Oh yeah, that was the first,
1: that was the first year. You're right. No, no, no. That had to be the second, that had to be 07.
2: Yeah. That's when, uh, well, that's when that was, party, Halloween. That's when, that was yep, Halloween. That's when party boy came out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the first year. Cause I was on a, cr- a crossfire 139. That was the first year.
2: Yeah. You might you wanna tell a party boy story or should I?
1: Uh I guess you could tell it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so here it come here comes baby Kurt as the skydiver. You know, he's only been jumping for the for the first year or so and uh, he shows up to this to this boogie and it's a Halloween party at Sky of Atlanta. Scott of Atlanta was known for his Halloween parties. He used to always bring out like a, a cool uh amusement park ride to to do like either the Gravitron or the Teacups or something like that. Everybody would get dressed up and you know, I got introduced to him through our buddy DL, and here we are. We're hanging out and everything else like this. And next thing I know, a boombox gets turned on, and Party Boy comes out. If you remember Party Boy from the Jackass days. <laughs> Kurt Kurt rips off his tearaways, and he starts dancing, <laughs> dancing to the music. And Party Boy was born.
0: Awesome. <laughs> That's um, yeah.
1: I, I had the full get up, man. The tearaway pants, the thong underneath. It was awesome. That's
2: fantastic. So very few people have known known Kurt about that long. So every once in a while i just be what's up, party boy? How's it going, man? Awesome.
1: Yeah. And it and it... you'll see a couple people that know me from back then every now and then just put throw that on a post and no one knows what the hell they're talking
2: about. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucking cool. That's the nice thing about skydiving though. It's like you don't see each other for a long period of time, especially with swooping. And that's the one thing that I think sets swooping aside a little bit from the other disciplines and skydiving is, we uh, I think we're a little bit closer niche of a group. Like we don't see each other for a while, we show up and it's right away. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? And you're
0: right away, back into the
2: old, you know, throwing shit at each other, sure. and just having fun. You
0: know. Well, now, so if if we're talking about '06 when all that was going on, I'm assuming that this is about the time you're like, all right, fuck this, this is it. I'm gonna I'm gonna start going balls to the wall for this.
1: Well, I mean, I was going balls to the wall the whole like the whole time. You know, I would I would I would get done class, and you know, at like eleven or noon for the day, and I'd blitz out to land because it was twenty minutes, and I would jump until uh, track practice. Hmm. Uh, one time, I even did too many jumps, and I was pretty late, and I had to I had to bullshit and tell my tell my tra- track coach I got in a car accident on the way over. And it was just <laughs> don't worry, it was just a small small fender bender, doesn't even any damage to the car.
2: <laughs> when did you, when did you win your uh, your first FLCPA? Was it oh seven or oh uh, eight?
1: It was oh nine was my first year oh, competing. Nine.
2: Okay,
0: that's yeah, a, that's so, really fucking quick to go. Not just from you know from beginning skydiver to like standing on the podium. That's a that's a pretty quick transition.
1: Yeah, and so I wanted to I wanted to even do some do some comps uh, my senior year of college too. But it was it was the same thing. Like I just kept running into track meets during the comps and stuff you know so um i graduated college and uh there wasn't really any of the smaller meets that i could go to you know it was just kind of the bigger meets so i i I waited till the next flcpa season Hmm. and i went to the first one i could go to because i was really excited for it and kind of worked out because i was on i was on like a neos my senior year so it was like it's half cross brace and like it was kind of a weird canopy it didn't, mm. didn't fly the best but um the next year i was on a, my first velo so it worked out that was uh, a... kind of no go ahead Good. ahead it, it kind of sucked because uh my first comp was going to be my home drop zone in cluiston where i was working um but i i broke my hand training zonac in the grass because i just landed on my butt and i was fully flared out mm. and i dislocated I dislocated my pinky and my ring finger on my right hand, and the knuckles were like the 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 knuckles were like stacked on top of my middle finger knuckle. (laughs) Oh fuck. And I freaked out and I'm like, holy, like, I can't handle my body parts being in weird places and weird <laughs> angles. Like, I can't do it. Right. Like, it, it freaks me, it freaks me out, man. Oh, like, oh yeah. This like, is coming, I this give coming from somebody that has pain. this happen like, a few times. Just, <laughs> dude, shit needs to be where it belongs. Right. Yeah. I'm not
0: going to let it stay there.
1: Right. So I grab it and I'm like, I have a pretty solid understanding of how joints all work <laughs> and stuff from all the injuries I've had in the past. And, uh. I grab my, you know, I grab them and I, and I, and I put them back in and then I'm like, oh crap, that worked. Sweet. Um, So then I, then I remembered, shit, we have two doctors here on the drop zone jumping. So I went over and showed them and they were like, yeah, that's, that's definitely, you broke your, your hand too. So I went and got x-rays and they're like, oh sweet. Well, um, you know, you actually set the bone perfect too without realizing it. So just, you don't even need a cast, just, just chill and, you know, be careful with it.
0: Right. no
1: so then then a couple of months like uh, a couple of weeks later i was i had an opening and i was using full rds's for for all my jumps at terminal so i kind of had a shaky opening on my velo and uh my hand hit my um still came on my dslr really hard and just broke it even like really bad so then for the first comp that i was supposed to do at my home drop zone i'm in a cast (laughs) you know and I walk up. It was funny. I walked up to Albert, and I was like, "Hey, man, I really wanted to do this comp. It was supposed to be my first comp. It was in my home drop zone. I was really stoked, but I can't because of my cast. And like everyone saw me still jumping because my toggle fit over my cast. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: of course. And
1: I figured out. I figured out I could pull with my pointer finger and my thumb, so I could. And I was still swooping. I was just doing harness turns, and then putting my 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 pointer finger and my middle finger up in my lines, above my rear riser. So I could still use my rears because I seen pictures of JC Coleclaser flying like that. <laughs> uh, so I was still swooping, but I'm like, I don't want to do the comp with the cast. That's kind of stupid, All right. And I'm like, Albert, don't worry, I'm gonna be at the next one. And Albert's like, Yeah, yeah, whatever, and just like walks off. This, like, uh, I'm never gonna see this idiot again. This
0: is Birch told. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's just like, yeah, whatever. Everyone says that shit, dude. Like, right. especially, especially staff at the drop zones we're at. Sure, I'm never gonna see this this dumbass kid again. Um, so then I, I went, I healed, healed, cast came off, went to the, went to the next comp, um, you know, did, did that comp came home. Uh, I think I, I think I, uh, I can't remember if it was after that one or the second comp I ever did. I broke my hand again, Oof. um, because just, you know, it was healed, but it was still weak. Sure. So the third comp I did um i got 10th my first comp fifth my second comp third comp i went and showed up and it was uh, at the farm you know yeah and i wouldn't have been able to do this anywhere else but because hans is awesome he let me do this i show up with a cast on and and uh, everyone's like oh you're not competing are you and i'm like yeah (laughs) like why else would i be here they're like well you have a cast like what are you gonna do i'm like well i'm gonna take it off (laughs)
3: like
1: what do you mean what am i gonna do like I'm competing like I don't, I don't I'm don't. i I'm over this crap so I, I put my take my cast off I tried to make this like little mini one with this extra material the doctor gave me mm-hmm. but it didn't work so I just I competed without it with a broken hand and that was the competition I won it was the first one I ever won
0: nice nice <laughs> now the the real question is uh, are you do you turn left or right
1: I turn to my left
0: okay so at least you weren't having to hang off the riser on your broken hand
1: uh, I still was. Oh fucking I was, hell! I, I back especially on um two seventies. Uh, back then, I was I was hammering both my risers down for the whole turn, and I still did it.
0: <laughs> oh wow! And this was flying a velo. Yeah. Well, and back then that was the. I mean, there wasn't a better fucking wing out there. Those things were amazing back then.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, that, and I wasn't even on comp velos uh, for this that season. It was just a standard regular ninety velo. Yeah,
2: I mean the 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 comp velos hadn't even come out yet at that point. Well, and, and the only the, people that yeah, were probably right, ju- yeah. the only people that were probably jumping them were probably the PD boys. Well, with their be, secret wings. Yeah.
0: To be perfectly honest, unless you're an accomplished swooper, a fucking Velo is an amazing canopy. I'm never going to fly anything other than a Velo. My 96 does me quite well. Makes me look dramatically better than I am, and it's got a lot more uh, room for forgiveness for me anyway. Um, you know, I mean, the canopies that you guys are flying, I mean, holy shit. Yeah, as the Icarus yeah, guy, I mean- I'll keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, junior knows. I still use a Comp Velo
1: for zone accuracy. Nice. Yep. Well, they're fucking. I'll throw my Peregrine in if I need it for the conditions, but otherwise, I prefer the the the, the Velo. I I just won gold medal in Zonac and um, nationals with it again.
0: Nice. Congratulations. By the way, I was following all that. That was very cool.
1: Thanks. That was a that was a brutal comp for me. But I was
2: I was pretty I was pretty injured for that. Yeah, I wasn't able to make it back. I heard the winds were uh, were quite uh, interesting as well. Like starting like the day after a hurricane, and the first load went up, and it was sketchy, and people got hurt and everything.
0: Well, I thought um, all, I thought all you crazy fuckers were doing downwinds in the hurricane. No, no, he did. Yeah. He did hit the <laughs> No, first... <laughs> no, the, the,
1: the winds, the winds were the winds were sketchy in the morning, and you know they because they were like thirty some knots. But um, you know the meat director waited till the proper time he put us up because just to get he just wanted one round on the first day just to make it easy over the weekend uh, on everybody so we weren't having to hammer out like five six jump days sure but uh, no he waited it was it was like 18 knots um where it mattered mm. for the first load the the people who got hurt just fucked up like it had nothing to do a bunch of people were complaining about the conditions and and all this weird dropout and stuff but it was the conditions were fine it was it's a u.s nationals that selected a team for two years and it was the first round. Like everyone was really nervous and and they were messing up. And, and I mean, you know how it is. It's, it's easy to just want to blame some other
0: stuff. Oh yeah, man. You always want to point the finger somewhere just at, at least when it first hits and then you can sit down for a little while and go, all right, maybe that was me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean the the first round I went up and I was on a 61 out of three, five wing loading. And I, I was, I was pretty injured um i had stitches in my hands because i like to hurt myself apparently Mm, a lot uh,
2: you like to hurt yourself a lot
1: i had a super bad injury i ended up having to get an injection in my shoulder just to make it through the comp so the first round i'm in the plane i'm just like it's cool man just take it easy it's the first round you know you can't win the meet on the first round but you can sure as hell lose it just just
0: chill sure chill dude
1: you Uh, said you were on the bottom of you were
0: you were on a 65 at a 3-1 you said
1: at, a, at a, a 61 at a three, five, a three, five. Three Jesus
0: Christ. I remember when flirting with a 2.0, you were crazy. <laughs> so I get yeah, back into my
1: turn and I pause and I'm just like, Oh man, I'm super tight. I snapped and, uh, I was crazy low. And I was like, Oh, I wasn't worried about hitting the ground, but I'm just like, Oh man, this might slow down. And I got it to drive out and had a pretty good score. I think it was like the second fastest. Only Bo went faster on the mutant and, uh, I got home and I'm like, I want to see how low I rolled out. And I rolled out at 202 feet on a 61. Jesus Christ!
0: <laughs> Fuck me.
1: That's a new best for me. The, the the lowest I've ever rolled out before was 191 feet on a 71. But
0: that's pretty goddamn. And a 71 low. will recover a lot better than a than a 61. Oh yeah. Now yeah yeah. Now what do you think? Uh, since you brought it up, what do you think of the mutant coming into competition now?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, everyone seems. You know it's definitely fast, um, but everyone just seems to struggle to control it. You know, a bunch of the guys started doing really well, but then like you know they'll zero, even if even if they do well in one comp. It's a fine like, line,
2: with, with... wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, and it's just you get away with it for one comp maybe two and then the third comp you get zero so now like i haven't seen anybody even do three comps in a row and not zero if
0: if you do you think that if this gets dialed in somebody just fucking gets its number and has it down do you think it's going to give them like an unfair advantage
1: i mean it's hard to call it unfair because we can all buy one sure the only the only here's the only thing i think that should happen with this kind of stuff is and it's never it's never going to. But I just I don't think they should be allowed at FAI meets uh, unless everyone can buy them. Yeah, I mean,
0: it kind of with well, something like that, it's almost when you're tossing in something that potentially has the, you know, the potential to be so much better without necessarily changing the skill set of the canopy pilot, other than learning how to fly that particular harness that I guess unfair is maybe not the right word, but it definitely could give you an advantage um, yes it is an advantage yeah i mean and it, I,
1: I think it's unfair if it's not available to the pup to the you know to buy like now now that being said you can't just go you know buy a mutant if right you're not ready for it. you right. have to and just and just like the peregrine was and the petra was in the very beginning like you should you should be able to you know it's not like they're just going to give one to any pros who right right that that's fine with me but it's like when it's just straight up not available and it's like here's Here here the four or five of you can have this way different technology. Even with the the sail wing, the you know, the Schumann sail wings, it was kind of the same thing. Sure. It was only like one year or a year and a half on the Petra with Nick having it, but it was it was one to twenty twelve, it was only a you know, very small group of people. And I was lucky enough to work my ass off to get into that group. Sure. But it was it was I was fighting you know, what? tooth and nail to get in that group. And it almost... it was,
2: and it was a huge, a huge difference between the two wings. Like you, you'd look at the competitions in that year, and you had yeah. the people that were on the all sail wings on the Petras and the and the Peregrines, or I think at that point they weren't even the Peregrine yet; they were the, they were the XP or something like that. And they were, it was a, it was a remarkable difference between that and the conventional wings that we're used to, the the JVXs, the. The comp velos and that stuff. Well,
0: I mean, it's almost at least in in the way that I see it as an outsider from the swooping community. It's almost like um, a swooper's version of performance enhancing drug. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Either everybody gets it, it or and nobody gets it.
1: You can still you can still beat them, and that's how I got the peregrine because in 2011, at the end of the year, the first meet, the peregrines really actually were kind of released in. You know, I still, I, I won the meet on a standard VLO, not even a comp velo. but I, for, for going fast, I actually, I actually prefer the regular VLO if I'm trying to do full power
3: mm.
1: and i prefer the comp VLO for like zone accuracy and freestyle. Mm. But anyways, that's, that's a kind of different conversation. Sure. But, so I, I beat the Peregrines and the Petra that were at the comp, still didn't get it. You know, I got offered a sponsorship over that and a role in, in testing the Peregrine, which was really
0: cool. Sure.
1: But, um then at nationals like what five months later i did it again i won nationals so then then i kind of then it was like okay cool you need to be a bigger part of this testing and development and then it was like you're you know i still had to fight for a peregrine at the world championships in 2012 wow that i they didn't want to give it to me um and i mean pd wanted to give it to me there was just you know, just like everything, there's politics. Like, it's, it's, it's skydiving, we're all paying to go, but there's still
3: politics. Sure.
1: Which I understand. It's it's a part of the game, of course. Um, I could have gotten rid of the politics and, and joined the factory team when they asked me, but I decided to do my own thing on my own team and, sure. and see where I could take it. So I, I kind of, you know, put myself in that position. I couldn't turn around and complain about sure. it. I just worked my ass off to make sure I got it. So anyways, the 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 consolation was you're going to get this peregrine two weeks before the world championships. <laughs> so I only have two weeks to train. So I only had 60 jumps coming into it. And like, Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even know. I luckily I, I bought a fly site. So I at least figured out how high to start the turn on. Cause mm. it was, I, I went out and like, was doing weird stuff on it because it just I didn't we didn't understand those wings back then sure. and it was like we didn't we didn't realize when you load them that heavy how much higher you need to start your turn <laughs> oh,
3: man, it, so it, I figured that it's, out but in it's the whole pop I was too. just like
1: I didn't know where to be so I would just like I would just kind of get to where I thought I should be and not look at the gates until I rolled out and then like just okay where are the gates Oof. what do I have to do to get through them wow <laughs> and luckily it worked so somehow I made it
2: work
0: and on one but of it's the like not a, one of the fastest wings ever made, and you're going, all right, where's the gates?
2: <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing was is that everybody was having those issues in the beginning with it. Like we watched yeah. some, some, some of the, like, the guys from the PD Factory team who have been flying that wing and testing that wing a little bit longer than even Kurt had it. And you'd see them. They'd, they'd come in, and they'd dig on it, and there was nothing to dig on, and they would go crashing. Oof.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, so the, rears, the rears were so heavy, and they were so powerful that the you know people had really long rear risers and they were slipping on the rears because you had to pull so hard and they weren't used to it <laughs> oh, and they'd slip and hit the water
0: Gee, well and i'll tell you what i mean again just from an observer and a and a fan of it all um the the uh wipeouts the fucking chows <laughs> that went f- along with stilettos, and then up to the game with velocity. Fucking yeah. hell, man! When you guys eat shit on these canopies, it is nothing shy of epic. Life of death. Yeah. For death. No, yeah. it really is. I mean, you
1: gotta, you gotta learn how to crash. That's yeah. It's, it's like skateboarding, you know. Like I have a very specific body position the entire time I fly <laughs> because I'm I'm literally ready to hit the water even on a good swoop because you just never know. I, I have a video from drop like massive massive dropout at a drop zone near trees where i came in on a three and a half second recovery arc and just hit the water because the last 15 feet i just sunk sure and it was a comp round so i didn't go to toggles because i was trying to save it you just never know when you're going to hit so and i do a crashing seminar um sometimes when i'm coaching when i have time or like during weather and stuff because you know you got to learn how to even just slide in your landings. You got to learn how to land from distance runs. Cause if you do a distance run, right, it looks like it hurts, but it doesn't. Sure. You know, you can do 50 in five days and you won't feel anything because you're,
2: you're landing properly. Right. Yeah, I do the same thing. But all it takes is one bad one and you're hurting for a week, two weeks. Exactly. Well, see, and that's the – Exactly.
0: And again, it's it's uh, it's funny to listen to this uh, from somebody that's, you know, a mediocre swooper at best because I've never had to think, fuck, how am I going to slide this landing out? <laughs> because I'm never going that well, fast and- at the end of my swoop.
1: Yeah, but you don't even have to be going that fast, you know. Like we'll, we'll teach if we can. I'll even teach the sliding in part to people that aren't swooping. They mm. have thirty jumps because if they ever screw up and land downwind, sure, like people don't know how to do it and they'll stick their feet down. And especially in Florida, with how sandy the soil is oh, and soft yeah. and catchy, you snap your ankles. Like I've seen so many broken ankles that you just watch and you're just like, dude, that was the so it's such an unnecessary dumb injury sure. and now you're out for three months.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well,
2: was like it? If you wasn't just... it you, Micah, and Shane that decided in the 2009 U.S. Nationals in uh, Spaceland that you guys were going to go downwind in in winds that we had pretty much stopped jumping in? <laughs> yeah, and me and was it me and
1: was it me and Shane we were doing two ways or something? It was I you think and, it was Shane, me and Shane, you and Shane, space. or you and
2: Micah. But the three of you guys decided to go downwind in the pond, and the rest of us are sitting on the ground. And I'm sitting there with. With like J C and and Bobo and those guys, and we're just looking at you guys, and we're just shaking our heads. We're like, "Look at these freaking kids, man! They're they're gonna kill themselves." <laughs> well, dude, I was,
1: I was I would rip down I would rip thirty mile an hour downwinders in Cluiston in the in the winter because it would always get windy there. But it's you know there's no turbulence because it's just sugarcane as far as you can see.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was it was <laughs> definitely was it, it, it was definitely epic. We, uh, we we enjoyed the show for sure.
0: Oh, what what what, what <laughs> were the old jokes when winds would get like that? Was the D license hold because the only the only people that wanted to get on the plane were the people with the a and b licenses yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. fuck you i'm not getting no, on that like plane. we jumped
2: we did like a normal run like everybody else goes into the wind and then these three retards and i love i love all three of them decided to rip one downwind, and i'm like fuck. here we go man oh man oh <laughs> that man was,
1: that was the same crew that decided to start alter ego as well nice
2: that was the idea
1: it was me shane micah and warren cleary
0: nice Nice. We tried to
1: get on the expansion project for the factory team, you know, around that year, the beginning of when was that? The end of 08, I think it was.
2: Yeah, '08, 09. And
1: none of us, none of us made it. And uh, so then we were like, you know, the first year we were competing, we're like, well, if we can't be on their team, let's just start our own team, you know. Especially Micah, he was the spark for it because that's, you know, that's how that's how that guy was. Oh yeah. Nothing nothing was too daunting of a task for that guy. No, hell no. He's just like, well, why can't we do that? That's stupid to think we can't do it. So let's go do it. Well,
0: and that being said, we're talking about a guy who at, as we speak is in fucking outer space. So anything (laughs) that guy set his mind to was going to goddamn happen.
1: (laughs) No, but it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was so awesome and empowering to have a friend like that because when he would, when he would say that you would be like, you know what? You're right. Why Why am I thinking like that? Yep. Like, why am I thinking the opposite? Like, that's a stupid way to think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. You I, know? It, it, it is. It, I completely it's like, agree. Even if you completely fail, like, at least go try.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: That was my introduction to Michael Couch was watching that. That's awesome. And I walked up to him I was like, man, I think like, that was really fucking stupid, but nice job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you, you want...
1: I. So I got, he got me a job in, 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 uh, in, uh, DeLand in, in like, oh, nine, And I moved up, I moved up there because, you know, that's, I had started the team in South Florida and Micah wasn't on it in the first couple of months just because just with the separation, it was hard to get him to actually like do anything, Mm. um, just to commit to it. And I mean, there wasn't really much he could do. And, uh, so anyways, he got me a job. So I moved up there and, uh. So then, I almost, I almost got fired within the first two weeks because of all the dumb crap me and him started doing. <laughs> it was
3: so, like, you
1: know, we were just doing retarded two ways, ripping through the hangers, and then like we would do opposing two ways and land in the peas and stand it up right next to each other. And, Like, uh-huh. i the the manager just lost his shit. Yeah, I can and, imagine. Like, I would. I would typically be the one to go downwind, but then I would still stomp it out and stand it up in in, in the pea gravel, and then I would get in trouble because I was going downwind. And Micah did a right turn, and I did a left, so we started doing these other two ways where our base legs were flying at each other, oh, and we'd flare still in front of each other, cross over on fronts, and he would do a right turn, and I would do a left turn, so we'd come back at each other, and it was my job not to <laughs> hit him. And they were the sickest two ways ever, though, still to this day. I mean, as long
2: as you guys were safe, it was was one person's job to, you know, avoid the other one. (laughs) I like that. All
1: right.
0: You're supposed to not kill us.
1: It was was so crazy, though, because, like, I mean, you just think, like, even now I'd be, like, almost, like, slightly hesitant to do it. But and we had such low experience to even try that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, dude. And he was just like, yeah, let's go do this. Like, why can't we do that? It's just like, I mean, like, duh, it's, it's, just, it's easy. Let's go do it. Well, there's something. And, it, and, and then it was. There's really something to be confidence. said.
0: Yeah, there's something to be said for for not knowing you you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't do that, so I fucking did it. <laughs> you yeah, know? and just
1: just to have the confidence and, just, and then to sit down and, like, of course, like, I didn't just go send it, like. I would sit down and like, I knew the bail points, you know, when, when, when it got to a certain point, you just bail, which of course we did like, don't get me wrong. It didn't work. It might've, might've worked on the first one, but of course that was probably pure luck. We had them dialed in after a while, but you had to bail. We almost killed each other a couple of times, but it wasn't almost killed each other because we didn't get that close. Like I aborted when I needed to and that kind of stuff, but they were some of the coolest swoops I've still ever done. And I like you know, I'd come in like just going straight at him and just carve away, and we could get a couple feet away from each other, like body wise. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was crazy stuff. I have, I have a freaking scar on my 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 wedding ring finger because we were doing two ways, just like that. And he would do blind man switchblades and geek me, <laughs> um, and then you know he's going to toggles right away. So I would catch up to him. So on one of them, he was geeking me, stayed perfectly straight the whole time. And then when he turned back around, dipped a hip and carved right in front of me. (laughs) And since he goes straight to toggles, obviously I was going to go a lot farther than him. And I just saw him like just bend over, you know, and just brace for impact because he knew I was coming. Fuck. And I had just enough toggles to rail my toggles and pop up over him (laughs) because it was just all so quick. Right. And. I turned sideways, managed to get most of like my whole body right through the center of his line set, like just right directly over top of his head because the canopy was still inflated. And uh, one of his 300s caught my ring finger and I felt it just slice. Oh you know? yeah. And I landed on like almost even stood it up right on the other side of him went down on one knee and looked at him. And I was like, did that seriously just happen?
0: <laughs> you know, it was funny because we I was
1: like, holy shit, I, was I can't gonna, believe we just did that. I was
0: going to ask you, uh, uh, you know, to tell me about one of your sketchiest ever swoops, but I think you just fucking did.
3: <laughs> yeah. And,
2: uh, and I think everybody I,
0: has that one friend, too.
2: Everybody has that one yeah. person that, that you're just, as you're coming up through, you just push with. And like the other <sighs> person's pushing, you're pushing harder, and you're they're pushing harder.
0: Uh, Well, to hear that story, especially the fact that you've got a scar from the line on your finger, I watched a guy, um, actually, um, a guy named Steve that I worked with in uh, Las Vegas for quite a long time that was swooping, I think, still at a 120, which, of course, back in the day was still one hell of a canopy, and we had a pilot that was off. Um, helping catch and was just out on the landing area messing around and bobbed when he should have weaved and caught an A-line from his neck wrapped around him and scalped him. Um, Oh, yeah. So I'm watching from the air as I'm coming in on my stiletto. I watch the canopy collapse in a weird way. I watch something flying, and then I watch a whole bunch of dust. So I land, and I run over to where it's all going on, and the pilot, who is the one that got caught, is laying on the ground on his back, moving but not very much and as i get close to him his scalp from the back to the front is flopped over his face oh god oh yeah i have to grab the hair i lift it up to look him in the eyes and i'm like y- you're live right and he's like yeah i'm all cool don't move <laughs> and laid the scalp back down so the fact that it was just your Ugh. finger fucking hell <laughs> oh,
2: yeah my- it had to be somewhere around 2003 2004 and i was up in tecumseh michigan and the now owner of Sky of Tecumseh, Franz Gershweiler, was borrowing a buddy of ours, Canopy. And this is my first introduction of what a line could do. Oof. So he's coming in. He does a 270. He goes to stab out on toggles. One toggle catches at the ring. The other one goes all the way down. So he basically does a 90-degree turn into the back of a Cessna 182. The Aww. lines cut into the trailing edge of the flap Yeah. about eight inches. And there were three lines that had cut in. He took the the airplane, moved it off the blocks, but he literally like I watched the lines, and I'm looking at it, and there's these jagged lines in the back of this flap, and the lines didn't break. <laughs>
0: and that was my introduction. <laughs> I was like,
2: "Holy shit! Shitty. These lines
0: can really fuck you up if you're not careful." Shit, shit ain't no fucking joke. And you went through Micah's lines.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, dude, man.
1: they cut super deep into my finger, man. I was, it freaked me. It didn't hurt much. I just felt it burn, you know. Sure. It was it was crazy. Luckily, because because it's line burn, it, it carterized it and it wasn't bleeding. But it was it was gnarly. Well, it was... and the the funny the funny thing was after this kind of this the scar formed. Michael was looking at it and he's like, "Yo, he's like, I have the exact same scar in the exact same spot on my hand." Because <laughs> he he flipped the jeep and like degloved his whole hand and even cut some of the fingertips off yeah, of my hand. Yeah, cut one of his fingers. Wow. So it was like middle finger. The same finger like identical it was it was
0: really weird that's gotta be like your favorite scar that has to be yeah dude for that, real. i mean fucking. i mean everybody's got their scars that they kind of dig but that one i mean especially attached to that story and that guy What? that's fucking cool yeah so yeah definitely so he was part of alter ego basically from the beginning what year i mean alter ego's been around for quite some time now
1: yeah, two, thousand and nine. Now, so literally, like right now, is our is our ten year anniversary. We're we're getting ready to start posting about it and celebrate it because right. it's like exactly right now. Man, time it's
0: fucking flies.
2: And you guys have had, yeah, uh, man. you guys have had some come, some go. You guys have had a, a bunch of different uh, members over the years, huh? Yeah, not
1: um, not not a whole lot of uh, in and out, but yeah, we've we've had some. Uh, some bounce in and out and stuff like that. But
2: so, you're the tried and true. You're so. the uh, you're the OG in that in that uh, in that team. You're the only one that's still kind of around from the very beginning, huh? Yeah. So
1: in the very beginning, it was me and the, and uh, my buddy uh, named Jake Carlo. He was a, a base jumper and uh, a wingsuiter back then. He was like one of the few wingsuit and like kind of instructors around. Mm. And um, he got out of the sport for a, a long time. Uh, at one point. But we were trying to, I was base jumping back then too. So we were trying to make it like a, a multi-discipline thing. Sure. But yeah. Then when I moved up here that, I mean, it was literally like, we started it like this time of the year at 09. Um, and then I moved up in the beginning of 2010, I guess it was. Nice. To the land. And that's when Jeannie and Micah got on the team right away. So it was me, Jeannie, Micah, and Jake.
0: Now when did the alter, or I should say, how did the alter ego come about? What, why that name? <laughs> So it's,
1: it's kind of a, I guess it's a little bit funnier. It's, it's, it's random. So we were trying to think of a cool name. Originally, like we had this idea that we were going to call our uh, the team uh, Vertical Horizon, which was kind of kind of lame. Hmm. But you know, because you're swooping, you sure. dive at the ground, blah blah blah. Um, but we was like, I was like, I want a better name. That's kind of stupid. So we were trying to think, and then me and Jake were talking to the hard rock hotels and stuff down there, they were going to sponsor us by us canopies. We had these cool stunts that we were planning on doing, like jumping off their, their um, hotels in Miami mm. and me swooping the shit out of the buildings and stuff and whatever. But uh, as that was kind of going, this energy drink company based out of, I think Miami as well is called ego energy. And they were like, yeah, we want to sponsor you guys and give you money and stuff. We're like, sweet. Uh, they're like, we just, uh, we just, You know, you guys need a good name or or a better name. I don't know if they knew the name we were kind of going by. I can't remember. But they're like, we just, you know, the whole board and the CEO loves it. Just come up with a cool name. And we're like, awesome. So I'm like, we spent like a couple weeks and couldn't think of anything cool. And we're trying to incorporate ego energy into the name. Mm. But that's not a very good word, right? That's a pretty negative word if it's a team name. So I'm like, I don't want people to look at it, you know, in a bad way. Right. So then eventually I came up with Alter Ego and I'm like, oh, that's perfect because, you know, most avers, their alter ego is their having life on the weekend. Sure. You know, it's like night and day.
2: And that, that'll work name.
1: great for coaching because back then I was free fly coaching because that's what I was good at. I hadn't really done much in swooping, obviously. Hmm. So I was like, then we can call it the Alter Ego Project. You come get coaching and we help make your alter ego better, right? Nice. Your, your other life better. So I was like, man, that's really catchy. I like that. I was still concerned people would be shitty about it and be like, Oh yeah. You go. But, um, luckily that never really happened. Right. So, and then, and then the best part is, so then we go back and we're like, we're so stoked. We're like, we tell the, you know, the company like, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to call ourselves alter ego. And then just crickets, (laughs) like nothing. They just, (laughs) they just decided not, not only to not sponsor us, but just kind of stop responding. Like they responded once after that. And the guy was like, Oh, I'm trying to get an answer from the board. Um, let me, give me, give me a couple of days and then just never again.
0: <laughs> of course, of course.
1: But at least we got a really cool name. Cause I still love that name. Like I'm so stoked about that name. And, sure. Uh, so at least they did that for us. Well now, so
0: <laughs> the team originally got formed, uh, you, you were looking at multidiscipline, and of course it's now become, you know, one of the premier swoop teams. Uh, but you also now do a shitload of coaching and instruction and all kinds of stuff. Don't you?
1: Yeah. Me just between me and Jeannie. We have over 700 students a year.
0: That's quite um, a fucking – that's, a that's a quite an enrollment list right there. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So we have um, – and then we have a, a handful, a small group of instructors that we're really close with that, uh, that coach for us. So now
0: well. somebody's looking for, for coaching and uh, um, they're, they're going to turn to alter ego. I'm assuming that you're literally basically out of student status all the way up to I want to compete.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, we've had, uh, we have like four, four basic courses that have nothing to do with swooping plus, plus then after that air to air coaching that has nothing to do with swooping mm. and then all the way up to, yeah, hardcore competitive coaching. We coach XRW, you know, team swoops, blocking, sure. you know, I mean basically freestyle, any, anything, any, anything with a parachute, we, we coach it. We have, we have courses for, I used to run a lot of, um, camera courses as well for different stuff as uh uh yeah i obviously was a tandem videographer sure. i even did a bunch of four-way video just out of college sure. as well my, my second comp ever was a four-way belly comp as the video guy which we won
0: so awesome well and um, and being able to pass on that knowledge is is a big thing too but especially if you are you know gauged towards keeping people safe and then giving them the yeah. correct way to work their way up. And one of the things that I yeah, saw Yeah,
1: and, and you know oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was
2: gonna say one of the things that I saw that you guys were doing was, um, as a tandem examiner, I saw you guys doing some some tandem stuff and that's something that, that I've been doing a little bit along the way as well, because a lot of tandem instructors come up through and they start becoming tandem instructors at five hundred jumps. And they don't really know a yeah. whole lot about how to fly a tandem wing and how to how to properly just how to properly fly it it's it's completely different flying a tan than it is anything else and I saw you guys had, had started offering that and I was my hats came off to you guys because that was something that i've that I've done here uh, wherever I go I do a little bit of coaching especially for for uh, flying a tandem canopy and stuff like that when I saw you guys launch your your tandem course it was kind of one of those like attaboys, boys like yeah finally somebody else doing something with with working with tandem stuff
3: well, as well
0: which is super awesome cuz really the tandem canopies at least in my opinion and I'm a I'm a meat hauler you know I mean if you ask me my favorite way to jump it's it's most likely going to be taking tandems and the tandem canopies especially the ones that are out nowadays are such versatile canopies but you got to know yeah. your shit you know I mean they they can they can fuck you up cuz these are in most modern tandem canopies now are what we would have considered a high performance canopy. When I was starting jumping, They're stilettos for tandems. Yeah. You know, if not more, yeah. and that's, that's a big deal. Cause man, you've got to know how to land a tandem in anything from a nasty downwind to high winds, turbulent conditions. So the fact that you guys are giving courses on those canopies is awesome.
1: Yeah. Me, me, and Jeannie have only run a handful of those. Um, I, I try, almost try not to, just because I'm not a a, a tandem instructor. Mm. Um, but it's still, it's still flying a canopy. They are different. We obviously know the differences. Sure. Um, we have, we have instructors who are even examiners, tandem examiners as well. Um, and obviously, we sat down with them and wrote the course with them to make sure everything was exactly the way it needed to be. Sure. Um, but i mean even i mean to be honest especially like junior said a lot of the newer instructors who struggle i mean it's it's even stuff as little as 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 simple as that they, they always end up putting themselves in a flight cycle on landing mm. and they just and they don't they don't realize it even though they know that under their sport wing they'll just make that mistake and again it's like they always every everyone's mind they don't mean to i'm not I'm not saying they mean to do it but everyone's mind always just goes to well, what made that happen? Oh, I bet it was—I bet it was turbulence. I bet it was this. I bet it was that. It was like, no, dude, it was your input. Sure. And, and real quick for the you people know, like, out there okay. that aren't
2: skydivers, just explain really quick what a flight cycle is.
1: Uh, so a flight cycle basically, anytime you put an input into a canopy, it's going to just change how the parachute's flying. It's going to change the pitch. It's going to change the speed. Which uh, the pitch is just kind of what direction the nose is pointed. So the canopy just kind of goes through this little like yo-yo accordion effect to get back to normal f- full flight. Mm. Like the best way to think about it is being in like deep brakes and letting go of the brakes. The canopy's going to pitch down after being super flat and it's going to be going really slow, then it's going to pick up a lot of speed and then it's even going to level off because it picked up some more speed and then it kind of goes back to normal. Mm. So, you don't want to land in any of that because you don't have any, you don't, you take away your brakes for landing, you take your flare away.
0: So, for, for, for either newer jumpers or people that don't jump, a flight cycle is basically from normal full flight back to normal full flight after it recovers from whatever input you've put in.
1: Exactly. And the bigger the input, the longer the flight cycle takes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, and I mean, that was, uh, I started uh, uh, doing uh, tandems after I'd had a fair amount of experience in the canopy. So I was lucky in that uh, uh, I at least had a decent idea of what was going on under canopy, but there was more than once that because of my own inputs, when I flared, the only thing that changed was my expression. Not a, not a nice fucking feeling. You know, when you, st- when you stab the flare and nothing happens, it's horrifying. And I actually have a couple good videos of stuff exactly
2: like that, that I use in all my tandem courses to show to the candidates what can happen and what a flight cycle is and how they can do the small slow sort of input and how it can, how it can affect and change our flight cycle.
3: So it's good. What's, yeah. We have the same
1: thing. Yeah. We we have the same thing. We have videos and we have them on rears and, People, you know, doing full somersaults on landing just because of flight cycles and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, shit. Uh, I, I, I learned, unfortunately, what a flight cycle was in a negative way. Very, very low in the sport because I think I had maybe – I want to say less than 30 jumps at the time, and I was jumping. I learned in in, uh, Las Vegas, and we drive down to Paris Valley. was the only big drop zone, turbine drop zone. And we drove all the way down there with the instructors that had taught myself and a couple other people how to jump, and I was getting ready to go rent a rig, and one of the instructors says, hey, don't don't worry. I got a rig that'll fit you. It's got a real docile canopy. Well, I got 25 or so jumps at the time. So, uh, all right, cool. He's an instructor. He says docile. It turned out to be a Turbo Z-165. (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> right? So it's one of these fucking half and half bullshit canopies and, and so the rig fit nice and pretty and everything and, and I'm too stupid to know any better so I go out and jump and and uh, I pitch this thing and of course as soon as I'm under an open canopy I'm going faster with brake stoves than I've ever fucking gone. I released the brakes and shit my pants. I mean, that's exactly how you knew where I was. And as I come in base to final, I did exactly what you would expect somebody with sub 30 jumps to do. I stabbed the fucking toggles in a panic flare way too high. And then, of course, what did I do? I I let up. Right back up. I I let up and exactly. And I drilled myself into the ground and standing there on a fucking broken leg. I went, oh, so don't do that. Cool. (laughs) You know, he learned real quick.
2: Roger that. Yeah, man.
0: <laughs> Fuck, don't do that again. All right, fair enough. Now, to, to attest to just how stupid I was, I was still on the load two loads later on a fucking broken leg. But I nailed the landing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I took two months off. <laughs> so you've got Alter Ego as the team. You've got Alter Ego as the instruction. So you guys stay really busy, yeah?
1: Oh, yeah. Probably a little a little too much.
0: Well, in international travel, international competition, you're talking yeah. regular competitions, you're talking the uh, freestyle stuff, everything, right?
1: Yeah, what? and and now now me and Jeannie actually own and run the FLCPA. This is the first year we took over from Albert. Nice. So we, we have that to add to the list as well. So <laughs> now
0: that's some big shoes to fill. Fucking Albert's, yeah. the sh- Albert's the man.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, luckily, because he's the man, he... And you know, it's his baby. Mm. He ran it for 11 years, I think he yeah, said. He took it from Chris Hayes he, back. He in took the over. Day. He took over from Chris Hayes years and years ago back when it was the actual CPC. And uh, so obviously he didn't want his baby to fail, so he he trained the living crap out of me. Nice. So it was it was a fairly smooth transition. Obviously, we made made some mistakes this year, but they were all, you know, just small and and just goofy, you know. Sure.
0: Now, uh, speaking in, in strictly in competition, uh, because there's so many different disciplines now to swooping. And, and again, for lower time jumpers that thinks a swoop is a swoop, there's so many different facets to it. What's your personal favorite? What do you like the best? That's a hard one, man.
1: I get asked that all the time. I think it's kind of, it's kind of like, I don't know. I just, I love it all, dude. Don't lie. Like it's hard. Like it's hard because it's like, Like, obviously, like I, you, you, that's usually my answer is it's split between Zonac and freestyle, Mm. but like that's for competition. It's normally the questions based around competition. My actual absolute favorite is doing two ways Mm. and doing team landings, but being the follower.
2: Yep. I'm right there with you on that one. Because it's, huh? I said, I'm right there with you on that one. I love following. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's got to be
0: a ridiculous I mean, look, challenge. Again, it's, from, it's, from somebody that's ugh. never done it, um, n- not just swooping at that level, but having to do so while chasing someone else that's at your level has got to be a ridiculous challenge.
1: Dude, it's crazy, especially with these new wings with how efficient they are. Like, you know, on VLOs, it was easier because even with slightly different sizes and wing loadings, like they all kind of perform similar. Mm. Now, like now it's like there's so, like this tiniest little difference you know Where like i ate too much lunch and Jeannie didn't eat enough then we're like <laughs> it throws us off and i gotta work a lot harder sure and uh yeah it's just it's it's crazy and it's
2: and, and as a just, married man it's smart that you said it that way and not the other way around i'm just gonna say that yeah
0: so now yep, yep. N- i now,
2: i'm not stupid i learned my lesson
1: now that being
0: <laughs> said how how is it uh um How do you find it competing, working, living the whole thing as a married couple? That's got to be a challenge as well, no?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, but not, not really. Um, I mean, luckily, like even from the beginning, like, um, because Jeannie and I are both so passionate about swooping, like we can spend a lot of time around each other, Mm. you know? Um, and, like, if we're on a – you know, even in the first couple of years, like, when we were on a road trip in the car, like, all we would do is talk about swooping for <laughs> hours in the car on the way to where we were going, you know? So, like, we can spend a lot of time – And like, obviously, that's not all we talk about. Sure. But,
0: so, you're codependent, um, obsessive about swooping, which is good.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, of course, it gets challenging. Um, you know, just – we had to find – it was hard to find a balance on on how how to coach her. Mm. In the beginning when we were just dating, I, you know, I, I had to be a lot nicer. And uh, <laughs> that, that equated to her not listening. Sure. And she had some really bad injuries, like even, even a life flight into like four days in the hospital, mm. like really bad. But, and she had a bunch, that was kind of the culmination because she kept kind of having the same issues sure. and would not listen. Sure. She listened, she, she was like that bad student you get. Where you okay? This is how you go fast, but this is how you control it mm. and be safe. And they go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. How do right. you go fast again? Right. Can you explain that again? I, I like you know, uh, and uh, and just the downsizing too quickly.
0: Sure. Um, well, it's funny now. Now, I was gonna say I had now, we've had this exact conversation with uh, with Junior and and uh, Patches Patrick K, um, who yeah. refuses. He's like, fuck no, I'm not teaching my wife shit. <laughs> Kurt is,
2: is a uh, very accustomed to hanging out with Pat.
0: Yep. I can tell you a good story yeah. about that as well. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because obviously you guys have had to take different roads there, <laughs> <laughs> being a, being a, uh, you know, on a team with your wife and, and then, uh, you know, Pat g- going, no, 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 fucking yeah. All the fun jumpers that way go. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's where, I mean, that's the only part that we kind of, Argue about really is just is the coaching side. Sure. trying me trying to coach her because I have to. I had to coach her, right? Um, like I can't not. Sure. Um, when Nick was on the team, like he would just he would he would coach her a lot because and uh, he didn't have to do much because she'd already heard everything from me. So all he would have to do is kind of step in and, and say the same thing. Sure. In an even sure. in a very short version, and then she would be able to go do it because she had all the background knowledge. Sure. She just was stubborn. And, and just so you know, Jeannie's a natural redhead, and we all know redheads are the most stubborn people you've ever fucking met in your life.
0: <laughs> well, and I mean, uh, in, in her defense or in anybody's defense that uh, has been coached by a significant other, it's really tough to yeah. take instruction from somebody that's seen your O-face. yeah yeah you know i know i agree it's it's really tough to wait a second i've seen you there i fucking know you and now you're telling me what to do
1: (laughs) well yeah and the other and the other the other problem too even on the coach side for myself i can say is you know when when it's someone like that we all know the filter kind of drops to a very very you know sure small amount sure so you kind of you kind of say stuff that you sure as hell wouldn't say to a regular student. Absolutely. Um, and then that makes everything way worse. Oh, of course, and that's probably so, that's
2: probably the best way I've ever heard it heard it say is you're so comfortable with that person that you can say things to them that you wouldn't normally say to another student. I've never actually heard somebody put it like that, but that's exactly the that's that's the main
1: that's the main problem is either either you're super nice and you act like they're a regular student, then they they don't listen because of that. Sure. Then you, then you learn to drop the filter and like, but it's a balance. You got to drop, you, you got to make sure there's a filter there. Right.
0: Just, you know, well, cause if you drop the filter completely, the I, I suppose the easiest way to look at it is if you were on the outside listening to a conversation and all you're thinking is fuck that guy's a dick <laughs> then. Yes. And that's exactly how it would seem from the outside. But of course to a couple, it's not that way. It's just you trying to get your point across. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and we we do run into that issue because we're always, we're always around each other. we li- we literally are around each other twenty four hours a day, seven days. a Sure. Day. Like we never take separate trips ever. We're lucky in that way. But um, so like we're and we're always at drop zones. So like if she needs to hear something, I'll say it to her when we're training because she needs to hear it to to get better and accomplish her goals. And I want to see her accomplish her goals probably more than she wants to accomplish them herself. Sure. Right. So I'll be a dick and say what I need to, because then she's going to learn it. And then at the drop zones, we kind of run into that where people are like, "Man, he's an asshole." <laughs> well, I'll tell and you, it's what... like, yeah, I tried for years to not be. I'll tell you and what, we though... found that if I'm a dick, she listens. Yeah,
0: well, and especially having <laughs> overcome the injuries that she's had, and to continue not just to skydive, but to compete and to compete at the level that she's at is really yeah. impressive you know and and part of that has to be that i mean it's a tacky phrase but it works the tough love scenario to really yeah it is, you know yeah. to punch it home and it's it's not any uh detriment to her it's your uh, taking the skill that you've already earned and you know imparting it to her in a maybe harsher than normal way because it sinks in
2: and the one, that, yeah, exactly. the one thing about sc- about swooping side of it is it's mostly a male dominated sport. Oh, yeah. There's very been, been very few females that have come up through and really succeeded and really shown the determination to to push through. I mean, there's there's a very few handful. I'm talking about. I think originally it was Kashiki, Jessica Edgington. Oh, not, got, Kashiki, yeah. Yep, Cornelia. And, and Junior are some of the few, and now, now we're starting to see more and more female swoopers out there that are really starting to push and, and drive hard for it. You've got Olga that's out in, uh, out in Dubai and some other people that are really starting to push hard, and it's nice to see. Well, know, it's fucking cool because
0: there's, there's literally no reason that a woman couldn't be a gold medalist swooper and kick every guy's ass out there, hence Cornelia. Um, you know, yeah. male female has nothing to do with it. It's simply skill and training and all that, which is fucking awesome. You know, to be able to see yeah. a truly Agreed. level playing field is fantastic. And the other, the other thing
1: to keep in mind too is like, so females are obviously very different, and their minds work differently, and and all that stuff, which which it's just different. It's fine. It it is what it is. Mm. They just have to train train different. Sure, you know, and coaching genie too. That's what we had to figure out was um was she can't necessarily think like me, sure, because she's she's a female. She doesn't think like a man. Like it's it's not it's not one better than the other. And that's where everyone takes all this crap nowadays. Everyone just wants to get offended, and and different doesn't mean better or worse. Right? It's, just, it's just different. That's so That's the biggest you have to thing too. Out yeah. How to, how to work your way around that? And uh,
0: yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, you guys have that... done a pretty good job of it, though. For as long as yeah. for as long as I've been in skydiving, I have not just uh, taken lessons from, but looked up to women in the sport because, quite frankly, there's you know um, ridiculously amazing female skydivers in every discipline that can just wipe the floor with me, uh, and I suppose I've always looked at it that way in that I never saw a difference between male and female when it came to jumping because fuck me, there's nothing they can't do.
1: <laughs> yeah. And one of the things, I mean, Jeannie's been on a lot of boards and stuff. And, um, uh, and you know, she was on the USPA was trying to figure out what to do with the records and, and uh, transgender people, especially. Sure. Which that's not where I'm taking this. But she was just on a board talking about the whole difference between males and females. Yes. And the, the biggest thing the board figured out was uh, swooping is so different because the comp- the female competitors that uh, compete in, in, in free fall and stuff. They don't have to worry about getting as injured as we do, and even even just literally going in, mm. you know, like, they, yeah, they have to worry about getting hit, and they've got knocked out, or, or you know, taken a knee to the temple, and, and got concussions and free fall during training and competing and stuff. But it's not the same level that swooping is intense sure. to roll out that tight and that low. I mean, to do well in a comp, I mean, half the t- I'm I, I'm still. Pretty, pretty damn close to being like almost scared every time I snap because you're just so tight and you're so low, and that's how you get the power. Sure. And that—that uh, that was the biggest thing between the different—not even—not even necessarily between males and females, of course, but just the different competitions. Sure. Was swooping is so much more intense where. The other, you know, the four way people, they they actually sat back and like, oh yeah, I never thought of that. Like, mm. I don't have to worry about dying while I'm competing, and you guys kind of do. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, how many how many of <laughs> our friends intense. have have gotten hurt, or how many of our friends have died from from swoop injuries? How many times have you yeah. hit the ground hard? I know I've done it a couple times coming up through the years, and it's just one of those things. It's we we know and we expect to. For that to possibly happen, and we we try to do the best we can to push hard and not have it happen.
0: Well, in regard to any discipline in skydiving, there's no discipline in skydiving that's closer to that razor's edge. Uh, there's, there's, especially with the canopies that are flying now and the way that you guys are flying them, there's next to zero room for error. There really isn't. I mean, yeah, you can fuck up a run this way or that way, but when it comes to, you know, coming out of your turn when you need to, to plane out when you need to, there's, you've got next to no room. We're talking milliseconds. And... Yeah, you know, I mean, th- th- those milliseconds on on a an eight way or a four way or a free fly is the difference between a point and not getting that point. Not a difference between a hospital stay or a podium. Yeah, you know, that's the yeah. big difference.
1: Yeah, we're me and Genie are really annoying to our um, um, container sponsors. Just giving Sunpath a shout out for dealing with us because we're so. Unbelievably picky with with how everything fits, and our especially our risers mm. and that kind of stuff, because you take that comfort away, and and your confidence is gone. Oh
0: yeah, it's a, to to at the level that you're at, to throw gear fear into it is suicide.
1: Well, I mean, not even not even just the fear, just like, hey, this doesn't feel that comfortable, so it's like it's distracting when I roll out. Mm. And you know I, I'm not I you know I don't I don't really like how these risers are working because they're a little long or you know I just don't like the front dive loops or whatever. Sure. Like I at the FLCPA before nationals I was obviously I was dealing with a really bad shoulder injury. I redislocated my shoulder again this summer, hmm. and uh, I had to sit out pink open just to be fit enough because I could not function. Um, and I still only had three weeks to recover in between, and I almost cut the tip of my finger off. Uh, right the day before that flcpa Mm. so now i'd spent the whole week trying to learn how to fly around my shoulder problems then you throw this in with no training my finger and my grip and i ended up getting a zero because i went and snapped on a distance run and uh you know we had done our zonac in the morning and then we would switch to distance and uh i think i think it was the second round i was just a little bit tighter and low you know but normal normal for me Mm. But I was so uncomfortable when I snapped because my whole right arm just wasn't working properly. Sure. I went straight to toggles Oof. like I just like like almost before I even finished the rotation, you know with 30 degrees left, I just went straight to toggles because I just felt so uncomfortable and out of control mm. that I'm like, dude I can't I can't handle this. I went to toggles a half a second after I finished the turn I'm like I didn't need to do that you know like I was fine, but you just take that comfort away and you just you just lose all your comfort. As somebody who's known just, you for
2: like twelve to thirteen years, would you please just stop hurting yourself, for Christ's sake? <laughs> no, it's how I do it.
0: I like that. No, fuck you. I'm not <laughs> gonna stop hurting myself.
1: I wish. I, trust me. I wish I could, but nope. It's. I mean, it's, it's just, your process. Kind of just hard to pushing it, you It's know? your Listen, process. I know
2: how I feel at forty-one. Dean knows how he feels now at, at the big five zero. When you get up towards our age, man, everything hurts more. Just, just ease up just gotta, a little
0: bit. Why you got to out me like that? Oh, I mean, oh, you're an old man. Fuck off, man. <laughs> why you got to out me like that? Like, people need to know how old I am. Fuck off.
1: Bro, so I've I've already come to the realization where I need I'm gonna need to work out like a monster my entire life, yep. or I'm gonna be in a lot of pain.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. No. That
1: does make a difference.
0: Well, if it you know? if it makes you feel any better, that's the right decision because I'm at that age, and the only reason I'm not in pain is because I've worked out my whole fucking life. <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason I'm not in daily agony is because I kept at it. You know, uh, uh, overcoming injuries not nearly as cool as yours for sure. Now. What?
1: Well, and I mean, like, after, you know, these, I, for the past three seasons, my, I, you know, this shoulder injury just keeps, I keep getting re-injured in a different way, because mm. my shoulders compromised, but, like, because I have to physio so much just to be able to jump, like, the last three winters, I've gotten in the best shape of my life, sure. and I kept pushing it up, and then I obviously I get injured, and it goes backwards pretty hard. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, st- dude, stuff stop hurting one of the most painful years of my of, of comp of competing was 2013 and I was 25 years old
3: mm.
1: it had nothing to do with age it was it was I was the most I was the most out of shape because I was kind of riding that college track shape for too sure. long and not working out hard enough and then I got hurt that year a lot and because I got hurt I couldn't even do as much as the, the little that I was and I got super heavy we wearing a you know very little of my weight belt and uh because there's rules on that and then You know, it's, man, I was, everything hurt. Sure. You know, distance training hurt even when I was landing properly and just, just everything hurt. I was 25 years old. That's bad. Oh
0: yeah. And you know, it's, (laughs) it's funny how quick your body will tell you, all right, uh, keep on this path and this is what you got waiting for you. Uh, it's, it's very, really quick with that. I go more than, more than a week with a decent workout regimen and everything starts to hurt and getting out of bed just fucking sucks. So you, you learn just out of necessity. All right. I'd rather hurt in the gym than hurt in the morning. It's, it's just that simple. And especially when you're still pushing at the level that you're pushing, those uh, little aches and pains can again mean the difference between podiums and hospital rooms
1: exactly and i don't i like I, I hear so many uh motorcycle racers talk about like the, their worst fear is losing a losing a race because of their fitness level yeah you know and that's my that's that, i'm like wow that makes a lot of sense like that's my thing too is like i don't i don't want to lose a comp because i'm not fit enough and i mean that could even just be I mean, you know, it's mentally fatiguing having that much adrenaline all the time sure. in training. Sure. Like you, if that's a little. That's a thing. I for, I forget exactly what they call it. It's um, it's a adrenaline um, deprivation, I think, sure. or something. Like it's a legitimate thing. What doesn't matter how good of, in shape you are. Like it, that stuff takes a mental toll. Oh yeah. So if you're not you're not in good shape like you you roll into a, a meet not only physically tired but mentally tired and you're going to get hurt oh, let yeah. alone
0: that. yeah bad. it's not even a matter of winning or losing at that point you're going to you're going to fuck yourself up and if it's not this competition yeah. it's going to be the next one for sure yeah no fitness and dude having
1: having the physio my back this hard for my shoulder like i've always had the worst posture always always hunched over no matter what like i would have to really focus and i would be like dude i'm physically using muscles to stand up straight sure. this is ridiculous sure. like if i want a good posture Having to physio my back this hard, like, I have good posture now. I stand up straight. Like, people comment to me if they haven't seen me for a while. They're like, and this started, like, a year, year and a half ago. Sure. um, they're like, man, you look different. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's my posture. Dude, now meanwhile, <laughs> I noticed it like,
0: meanwhile, pretty quick. I'm sitting in the booth right now, watching Junior sitting up straighter than he's sat up in front of me ever. As you're saying it, I'm just sitting Junior's up straight.
2: I'm like, I work out. What do
1: you it's mean? fucking
0: out hilarious. No, he literally no, just. I don't work out
2: nearly enough he, as I should.
0: He just slowly came from this caved over position to shoulders back, chest out, gut in, and Im- slowly. And immediately, I was like, wow. I feel a little bit better yep, after that. That's yep. <laughs> <Yeah>, pretty <laughs> fucking funny, man. That was good.
1: Dude, I we bought a house two years ago. And uh, I had a bunch of workout equipment in my house anyways. But the house we bought had this random fourth bedroom that was uh, 15 by 19 square feet, hmm. which is huge yep. for a random fourth bedroom. And as soon as we walked into that room, I looked at Gina. I'm like, we're buying this house. Like, this is my gym. Nice. And me and my dad put, you know, three-quarter inch rubber... Uh, flooring on the on the bottom there's two full walls that are mirrors i have an entire gym at my house the only thing i don't have is a leg press machine which i don't really need because i'm better off doing
2: squats for the stability muscles anyways and if anybody wants to see those uh, photos they can go to kurt's instagram he puts them up Every once in a while. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I never, and I don't, I don't do the, I don't do that shit where I post pictures of me in my gym. It's usually just in my gym. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair
0: enough. So, uh, so tell me now, um, what, what's next for you? What's next for alter ego? What's the next big step? You just took over the FLCP, which is a big fucking deal. Any other things on the horizon yeah. we want to know about?
1: Um, I mean, nothing, nothing major. Um, we're sticking with just a four-person team, keeping it a bit smaller. Um, you know, Ryan Brownlow's still on the team. He's been on the team since 2011. Fucking love Ryan. He's kind of, yeah, he, yeah, he's awesome, yeah. man. He's he's been on the team for a really long time. Um, he's uh, not as active as he used to be, just because he had a kid. Sure, um, but you know, he's still doing the big meets, so that's that's awesome. Um, so now now it's uh, me, Jeannie, and Alex Hart. Um, he's kind of you know the new kid on the block. Cool. He's like 25 with like 8,000 jumps and stuff. <laughs> um, he might have turned 26 now. I can't remember, but I think he's 25.
0: Um, he's got a lot of jumps,
1: you know. And um, you know, working with him is kind of we combine forces, and that's where the alter ego fast tracks comes with. Awesome, because um, he was the only one on the fast tracks kind of swoop team. Sure. So we called him and and spoke to them about about working with him and becoming teammates, and um, obviously. They weren't willing to. Fast Tracks wasn't willing to let go because his, of Alex, because his dad, you know, owns that sure, team. And sure. We obviously didn't want to lose what we've worked like, you know, nine, eight or nine years for at the time. So it was like, cool, we can just combine forces and and uh, and and work from there. Sure. Um. So yeah, we're just we're we wanna we wanna build the FLCPIA up and uh, kind of keep that going.
0: Nice. And so where where um, do people go now? Um. I'm a new jumper. I want canopy coaching. I'm a, you know, a wannabe competitive swooper. Where do I go for that? How do they find out about the, the, the swoop league? Um, where's the good way to track you and everything that's going on?
1: So the, the best way is the website is actual swoopleague.com awesome. for the FLCPA. Awesome. Um, and um, you know, it's, it's actually named that because it used to have all the different swoop leagues on it. Like, there used to be some European stuff and like the DISL out in Dubai and Albert would put um, some info up about that and, and all the, it's, it it has all the results basically from almost every comp every year. Um, That's kind of trailed off a little bit um, just with how busy Albert got And this year where we, we, our new website didn't get put up uh, as fast as we wanted. So we kind of didn't, didn't have that kind of stuff, but You can find out a lot of information on that. And we're going to try to keep that going and keep that as big as it was. And then obviously the, the, the Facebook page is, you know, sure. um, For the FLCPA is going to have all that info as well. And that's one of the best places to go. Like, that's why I stayed in Florida. Like, yeah, I liked Florida. um, But the reason I decided to stay there was for the FLCPA. um, Because Jay, Jay Maletsky gave me a lot of good advice when I was a young skydiver. And if, Jay Maledsky tells you tells you to do something. Yeah. you fucking yeah, do it. Yeah, you listen. Like for sure. You don't you don't even like you almost you almost don't even question it unless you just want more info about what he just <laughs> right. said. I mean,
2: he's, he's don't even OG. think about he's it. Just say,
1: yeah, just say yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Right, and fucking go do yep. it. And you, and and he told me he's like go to as many comps as you can. He's like don't let money stop you from going to comps. He's like sell stuff you don't need. He's like find a way to get there. If you're allowed to go compete at a comp, he's like go. Do nice. it, you know, and I still still do that to this day. So a lot of people ask me like, why do you still do the FLCPA? You know, a lot of those guys stopped doing it once they got to a certain level, mm. and and I think I think it was more also, uh, you know, they were getting older too and didn't want to beat themselves up too sure. much. But I want to compete as much as I can. Like I love competing. That's that's my favorite thing to do. It just challenges your mind and your body so much in different conditions, and that's one of the reasons why I. Did kind of like the fact that I could take over the FLCPA because that's a whole different challenge. Sure. Trying to run the meet and compete at the same level that I was. Yeah, man. Be able to go out and throw down and and throw up at least state records or national records if if we have the conditions while I'm running the meet. That's a that's a whole other. Challenge. Yeah, man.
0: That's a lot of right? irons that's, in the fire.
1: Yeah, and like obviously I still did really well. I I won all four of the first meets. The only reason I didn't couldn't even put a effort in the last one was because of some serious injuries. Sure. So it was nice. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a great place to start and we're making some rule changes next year. Cause now there's three classes. There's the beginner, the intermediate and the, uh, uh, pro class. Cool. So we're making some changes in the beginner because that was such a great idea. And then like it started out really well. And then people kind of took advantage of some, some slack rules and, and just kind of, you know, you used to get made fun of if you showed up with a Valkyrie like 71, 75 in the beginner class. Like, hey, bro, what are you doing in the beginner class? Like, <laughs> right. stop sandbagging. You get made fun of so much that you would almost be forced to switch. Now that's not happening so much. People are showing up to their first competition ever with 3,000 jumps on a 71 Valkyrie. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, what are you doing? That's not what the beginner class is for. Right. Like, you belong in the intermediate class. That's what the intermediate class was for. Right. You know, my first year of competing, we competed together. We just had a handicap. Sure. And it was, you know, a handicap slash safety buffer. Instead of five foot gates, it was 10 foot. But we got scored together.
2: And that's the way it was back in the CPC as well. The CPC was the same exact way.
1: Exactly. So then Albert split it because, um, you know, just the level of we started seeing people getting crazy scores and crazy times with the with the compared to the pros uh, even, even the year that I won, we were able we were already starting to do it. You know, we were, we were putting down too too good of scores compared to the pros. That's why like that third comp I won, I beat all the pros too. And it was because of the, it was because of that, that handicap. Sure. It was, it, the level was getting too high. So it got split. Sure. Um, but then, then it was also less intense because people didn't want to show up till they thought they could win because I have to compete against pros. Right. And then the intermediate class got rid of that, and then people were doing it. They weren't joining as early as they could because the intermediate class was so strong. So now there's a beginner class. Sure,
0: which is so awesome. Next year
1: you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to fly any of the Valkyries, Leias, Airwolves in it. You know, you, you got to fly the more square wings, mm. the Velos, the JFXs, the JVXs. But it's because we're trying to get out even Saber Twos and Katana. Sure, you know? we love seeing the guys on. Katana's doing nineties, you know, or Sabre twos doing two seventies or whatever. Like we love seeing that when those guys come out, like they get, they get the most help. You know, sure. one of the best that's things true. about the FLCPA, the reason I love it so much is everyone helps everybody, all the pros, even though it's a comp, they take the time to help the new guys hmm. and give them free coaching during the comp.
0: Well, and that's something that I've actually always heard about the, the swooping portion of diving, regardless is that it's very much, um, heavy on camaraderie and heavy on helping someone, whether you're competing against them or not, not just because you want to see them do well as a, as a friend, but because you want to help keep them safe. Uh, so it, it's this uh, um, extra bit of help that you can give someone because the stakes can be so high, which is fucking awesome. Yes. Yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. Now and what's the
1: big meets? you know, some of that, like everyone kind of gets in their own mind and has to focus on themselves. So the bigger meets, that doesn't happen a lot, you know, as much, sure. it's just more amongst like super close friends. Cause right. that's all anybody can really give. Right. Um, because the meat is taking so much from them Right. because I mean, even for me still, you know, a, a U.S. nationals will still feel like a, a world championship. Even if the flying isn't quite as, as high of a level just because of what's at stake. You sure. screw up. You don't even go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's,
1: it's you're not even talking about the level of flying. You're just, you're just talking about the stakes. So mentally it's, it's crazy, but the FLCPA in the middle of the comp is, is when the new guys need the, probably the most help, right? You know, cause it's so intense and, and you get so much out of it. And that's, that's why I've, I love the FLCPA so much. And for sure, you know, our team started, our team started getting as involved as we could as early on. I was always doing, being the lead coach, not, not training all day, Friday, to stand up their upon and give every, every single person coaching on every single landing. Sure. Just helping people during the meets. We started, um, especially when the, all the class splitting and then the, they brought out, um, wing loading rules just to keep people from overdoing it. In the wing loadings compared to their, um, experience level. Sure. Cause we started seeing that even happen with, uh, pros at big meets. There was some really bad accidents and even a couple of fatalities. Yep, mm. So that, that's more for a safety thing to keep people in, to check in what they're doing, you know, it, 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 it it keeps it safe, but a level playing field, which is great. Yeah. uh, Because that's what it's all about. And um, uh, so we started, um, that's a lot of medals for the league and stuff and awards for the league to, to pay for. Sure. And going home with a medal, even if it's a little rinky dink, you know, pretty cheap looking medal, it's still, it's still something physical to show how much hard work, you put oh into yeah,
0: man! I mean, uh, it's the 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 medals. Uh, it, well, just being in the competition in general is is badass for any jumper to be able to go out and say, "Hey, I was in this competition." Doesn't mean if it doesn't matter if you came in dead last. But like I competed in the '98 nationals for sky surfing, and I'm a silver medal out of two teams that competed.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that but silver that silver medal is cool. it, oh
0: yeah, that silver medal is hanging right fucking next to me now cuz I competed in the US Nationals in an open class. I've got a silver medal. So Yeah, and that's badass. And yeah, at the beginning, absolutely. The beginning of the, the the CPC and the beginning of the FLCPA, there were
2: no medals. It was either a cash prize yes. or thanks for coming out. Like if you were lucky, you, you got your money back for the competition, and you mm. went home.
0: Yeah. So it's not nice to see and the And that's progression what I mean like I spend money. Years.
1: Like you you spend money, like you spend it without thinking about it. Sure. And it's like, there's, there's been comps where I've gone to and people hand me thousands of dollars and we don't even get a medal or like the DISL used to give you like a giant check too. Right. Right. Like that's, that's about as good. My giant check from the DS, DISL, it's I, fucking cool. I lost one at an airport cause I'm an idiot, but all <laughs> the rest of them are, are down in my trophy room, you know, yeah, like all my, fucking all my, cool. yep.
2: I lost mine yeah. from the first swoop from the, uh, the first swoop challenge in the same thing. i was like, Oh man, I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: and And the year I won, I couldn't get it home because it was so big. So that, you know, that's a bummer. but I think that's what
0: happened with uh, mine. So uh, what comes next for Alter ego? Is it just uh, continuing on the the normal competitions and the and the instruction?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we just want to keep we've we're already spread, I don't want to say thin, but we're already doing a lot, you know. Um, so we want to just keep doing what we're doing and even better.. Sure. Um, we got into mountain flying a handful of years ago. Um, and we did it with this guy um, Jan Einer out in, in Norway he's awesome he's a really close friend of ours he's a he's a freaking Viking ninja
3: <laughs> he trains
1: all the all the special forces out there and stuff but uh, I mean he, he speed flies base jumps mountain flies on a regular basis at his drop zone that he runs the drop zone out there nice he taught us so much about mountain flying and the weather because I'm sketched out when I go fly down mountains with people that sure. don't know a whole lot about. The weather's completely different.
2: Absolutely,
1: completely different. And I've gone done, done mountain stuff where you just come whole, solely relying on the leader, and then you start asking the leader questions, trying to learn, and they 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 kind of just go send it. And you're just like, dude, like this is serious. Like,
3: <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: I've 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 gone down sections of mountain where there's serious downdrafts, and and you're just getting pushed at the mountain. But we knew it was going to be there. And you can't tell on the video it was there, but you're, you know, you're hitting your ears to compensate. And you're only 15 feet off the deck in a dive at the yep. mountain when yep. you feel it. But we were briefed on it, so we, we knew we could do it. And if somebody goes and does that with you and you're not expecting it, man, you're going to hit real quick. Oh, yeah. No, but, I've, I've got yeah, more,
0: there's more
2: something to be said for mentors in the sport, no matter what they are, and for yeah. us to be at the level that we're at and to have that kind of mentorship. And the same thing when, we, when I was out in Norway with, with, uh, with our team. Uh, back in 2015 like to to get that knowledge is amazing
3: Hmm. yeah and
1: it doesn't matter what you've accomplished in anything in skydiving like nobody should ever feel like they're above continuing to learn and 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 i don't care if the dude has 500 jumps Shut up and listen to what he has to say because oh, yeah. he learned it from somebody else.
0: Well, you know, I mean, the bottom you know? line is the 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 overall theme of, of this podcast has been that the, there's two, two walkaway points that come up in pretty much every podcast. One is the community is fucking amazing, and that's probably what keeps most of us in the sport for as long as we are. And two, you never stop learning ever yeah you know if, if you've stopped learning it's time to fucking take up golf because um, that's when you're going to get yourself hurt that's when you're going to get yourself killed you know you're yeah. always learning and somebody always knows more than you and I've said it before in many of the podcasts that I've done it's nice knowing that I'm a, a an average middle of the road Scott Ever free flyer swooper tandem instructor all the way down the line because I always know I have something to learn and I never walk away thinking oh yeah I got this because I'm always making sure <laughs> you know, that I've got it. Uh, yeah. it's, it, it's an extremely important thing. So especially when you're pushing the limits and doing mountain flying and all that kind of stuff, it's a big fucking yep. deal. It really is. Now. And,
1: and even with, even just with swooping too, I mean, I think one of the, one of the rays I've, I've kind of gotten away with any like completely serious, gnarly injuries, knock, knock on wood, but, um uh, it's always because I've, I've never, I've never gotten overconfident with it. I, I still I mean, if you see me on a regular jump, on any jump, even a competition jump, how many times I do gear checks in the plane? Sure. Like, dude, complacency is what fucks everyone up.
3: Oh,
0: absolutely. Well, you know. It's like
1: I just – I never lose sight of how easy it is, no matter how good you are, no matter how good you are at swooping, how many accolades you have, whatever it is. Like, all it takes is one stupid mistake and me not being on my game and paying attention or – or just being distracted by something that happened at home or, or, or something you, somebody said while I'm swooping. And sure. blah, blah, or are you
2: telling somebody not to have a cutaway right before you exit the airplane?
0: Yeah, <laughs> man. Exactly. <laughs> so as, uh, as we get towards the end and especially because we've kind of hit this topic, uh, one of the things that I always ask my guests towards the end of the, the podcast is for newer jumpers or for jumpers that have kind of hit the wall and they're wondering why they're still in the sport. What advice do you have to those two categories?
1: I would I would just say find find the correct people to to listen to to keep to keep progressing. Normally if you hit a wall, or you're getting bored, it's it's either you're not challenging yourself or I mean go try something new. It's mm. so easy to get stuck in a rut. I mean it happens even with swooping, with competition training. Like you just you're going and doing the same thing so much, like you can get frustrated or just like the fire can leave. So go out sure. and do something different. Even if it's swooping, just go out and don't stop competition training. Nice. Just go swoop the pond for a while. If you're a free flyer and you're getting bored, go try something else. Sure. You know, go put a wingsuit on or go do some high pulls on your canopy. Go learn something different and find the right people to listen to. Because some people, some people can lead you pretty far astray with, with how you need to learn or, or just with the attitude. Like it's all about attitude, right?
2: Sure. Sure. That, can that's a good easy. point. Find the right person to listen to is a is a really good point to make.
1: Yeah, because the people, somebody with the wrong attitude, they'll, they, you know, they'll they'll blow too much smoke up your butt, <laughs> and you'll get this weird arrogant thing where you don't, you think you're way better than you are, and there's not much else to learn. There's always a lot more to learn. Sure. And just try something else, like like us branching off into, into running leagues, doing mountain flying. Like part of the mountain flying is we we started running uh, a boogie for them with them as well we do specialized coaching and we go out and do a prop three days of a project a weekend of coaching and we get newer jumpers into mountain flying safely nice they might not be anywhere near the mountain because they only have 150 jumps but they'll go ju- jump kind of near them and land off sure. in a small landing sure. area and like you know find the people that are doing it correctly you know we're, we're giving them specialized coaching we're putting people up that know the weather. We're giving them a good leader, not a leader who doesn't really know. Like, you, I've I've been with with leaders that can't really spot well, and, mm. and they're leading people down a mountain. And that's like that's like to me that's a huge red flag. Yeah. So, um, you, you got to find the right people to listen to. Sure. Uh, it's it's the biggest thing for me. I've I've been so lucky to pick that out on my own. Sure. My whole career and uh, it, it, man it really worked yeah no worked really I, well.
0: I completely agree well and in, in, in all points definitely trying to mix it up for the uh, the jumpers that are getting a little bit stale and try something new and for the newer jumpers of course finding the right mentors and, and picking that path and, and listening to everybody and then figuring out on your own of course who's full of shit and who's aiming you in the right direction who's you know steering you the wrong way and, and who's really going to benefit you know I mean it's that's a big deal and, and that's part of the community as well and one of the reasons that I'm still such a huge fan of the sport and and Scott Evers in general is for the most part people try and help you know aim me in that direction which is fucking epic it really is yeah and
1: on those lines as well one of the big pieces of that is always ask if you get taught something always ask why yeah right you need to know you're not being a wise ass I I was that annoying student that had to you have to explain everything to me not because I didn't understand it I get I understood what you said. But I need to know I need to know the why sure. so that I can fully grasp the concept and actually utilize it. If you don't know the why, you can't put it into practice.
0: Sure. No, you just no. Know
1: the information.
0: Completely agree. And if
1: somebody if somebody can't explain why, two things are happening. Either they're telling you the right information, they they just don't know the backstory, which mm. means they're probably not utilizing it. Or it's actually wrong information. <laughs> right. Because if you can't explain why, there's a pretty solid chance that it's actually very, very wrong. Because there's still a lot of misinformation flying around in skydiving. Oh, sure. Um, or, or at least even just better techniques. Mm. And, of course, they, you're going to be able to explain why why you do a bad technique as well. But sure. it's at least going to help. And if they can't explain why, don't just throw it out the window and assume that it's, it's, it's crap. Find somebody who can explain why. Right. Because if it's crap information, the person that ex- can explain why will tell you the correct information yeah. and explain why that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, just get as much as you can for sure. I, I completely right. agree. Now, um, uh, on the uh, the subject of alter ego, how do people track you guys social media wise? Where are you uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on all that stuff? Oh man, we
1: have ev- we have everything but Twitter basically. Yeah, we're on we're on Instagram. Uh, social media are the big two one. And then our website as well, which is the alter ego project.com. Okay. And, and then of course we have me and Jeannie have our personal pages on Facebook. We have our athlete pages. Um, and then we have the team page, the, um, the alter ego project coaching canopy school page. We have the FLCPA pages for every single one of those. Awesome. So any one of those outlets, there's a contact form for the FLCPA website and for alter ego that goes to me and Jeannie. So any one of those, we check all the time. Awesome.
0: Which is- awesome. And for anybody that's listening to the podcast, uh, you will find links to all the different ways to get a hold of uh, both the FLCPA as well as Alter Ego uh, so that you can track everything that's going on, keep an eye on competitions, keep an eye on uh, whether you want to compete, whether you want to learn the whole nine yards. And I'll tell you what, Kurt, I-, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. I guarantee uh, this podcast is going to be one of the ones people that are definitely going to want to listen into really fucking cool stuff cool
1: man yeah thanks for having me yeah man I, I, you caught me at the right times i won't I'm not jump in for the next like five
2: weeks
0: perfect perfect <laughs> Buddy, it was
2: really good talking to you i can't wait to uh see you again i'm sure at uh competition at some point we'll uh, we'll run into each other
0: we, hell yeah we, man
2: we do it all the time so
0: uh all right well perfect i mean the to, best of
2: the wife and i uh, can't wait to see you guys
0: to kurt on the yeah, line yeah same here To Kurt on the line and to Junior sitting here, gentlemen, thank you so much for the time, man. It's been fucking fantastic. Take it easy. Take it easy, buddy. All right. Fucking hell. That's another issue of uh, Lunatic Fringe, Into the Void, In the Can, with uh, me, the fucking pilot, and... Junior Ludvick. Yep. David Junior Ludvick here as well. Again, we were brought to you in association with... Help me out. Blue Skies Magazine. Fuck you, the greatest magazine in the known Absolutely. goddamn universe. Absolutely. BlueskiesMag.com is where you're gonna go if you want to subscribe to the magazine. Cause if well, let's face it, if you're not already subscribed, you're an asshole. Absolutely. So subscribe to the fucking magazine. It's an awesome magazine. You should definitely subscribe. At BlueskiesMag.com. If you're a photographer, you're gonna take pictures, get it on the cover, cause it's badass. Seeing your picture on Instagram is bullshit. You want to see it in print. Absolutely. You're also going to go to them if you want to write an article because if you've got a cool story, Put it on pen to paper. If I can write for them, so can you. Also, advertising. Got some cool shit to sell. Need to get your word out there. Blueskiesmag.com. For me, I'm the fucking pilot. You're going to go to the fucking pilot.net. That's where you're going to get all the uh, cool shit like these podcasts over and over again. T shirts. I have t shirts. You're going to get t shirts at the fuckingpilot.net. You've got t shirts now? I have t shirts. The fucking pilot.net. How come I haven't gotten one of these t shirts yet? Because you haven't bought one, this fucker. Is bullshit. And buy a t shirt. Uh, you're I also going to be able a t-shirt? to. You're also Yes. You're also going to be able to get. Both the books that I've written, that's the uh, fucking pilot book, the Blue Skies Magazine previously published issues, all put into one tasty little book for you, and The Accidental Stripper. Amazing. Yes. Both of them available in both digital and print format, and I swear to fucking Christ- Eventually, audiobook with the accidental stripper. You keep so, promising this, but I haven't seen it yet. And it's gonna happen. So uh, you're gonna go again. Fuckingpilot.net, blueskies.com. This was lunatic fringe into the void. I'm the fucking pilot. That's David Jr. Ludvik, and we are out of here. Out of here. See ya. See you guys.